Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Inevitable Podcast. Today, we have the honor of having uh, Rafael Sanchez, the CEO and founder of AnyCart, as our guest. Uh, I've known Rafael for about uh, six or seven years. We've met when uh, he was still running his previous company uh, called uh, All The Cooks, which, by the way, he bootstrapped and sold and uh, transformed it into the number one recipe app in the world. Um, and reconnected as he was trying to raise money. Uh, Rafael is, uh, is a relentless, inevitable founder, phenomenal contrarian, a brilliant, inspiring product genius. Uh, I certainly put him in that category, and that's very rare for me to use that type of word. We had a wonderful conversation. Uh, it lasted over almost three hours, and we all, frankly just stopped because, uh, you know, at some point we got to stop. But, uh, but Rafael is, uh, is, is a, has a very inspiring, beautiful story. And I hope you guys enjoy the, the, the incredible conversation that we've had for, for this episode. So first and foremost, you know, thank, thank you for being here. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a big, big honor and pleasure to have you and, uh, and spend a few, you know, uh, uh, a couple of, uh, just spend time basically learning more about you and your life. Thank you so uh, much for, for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, absolutely. So, you know, I, I wanted to start by uh, just asking you a little bit more about how you, how you grew up, right? And, uh, and, and in what part of Brazil you actually grew up. Because, you know, Rafa, you are not the typical Silicon Valley uh, uh, Brazilian, if you may. You know, very low profile as, at the same time. Uh, a beast of a of a founder and a brilliant uh, product person, and uh, I've I've been in the Bay Area for about nine years now, and it's uh, I think y y how long have you been in in the Bay? Since uh, 2010. So yeah, 11 years. So I think we we see people coming and going, and all these yeah. folks that are just here for a little adventure, they think it's going to be easy. You're going. <laughs> I'm already. <laughs> I um, you you have to come visit uh, uh, Miami, and also, um, you know, Atman will we'll have an will continue to have an office here and a presence here. So I'm not, it's not like uh, that's why, I, aside from COVID, that's why I didn't also host a goodbye party. Uh, okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, so I'm not I'm not leaving. Uh, although I will be based uh, on on the East Coast, it will be better for. Or the fact that we invest in in the U.S. and and, and Latin, but um, yeah, you know, that makes I, um, sense. I wanted to ask before we get into the Bay Area, before we get into any cart and all that stuff, is just learning more about how was your childhood. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, you're from from the city of uh, of, of Maringa. What would be the equivalent of Maringa if you are an American? Listening to this, because it's not even an Austin, right? Like I would say that Curitiba <laughs> would be Austin. So like. What would be Maringa if you had to compare oh. with Brazil? And, yeah. Yeah. So um, I was actually born in Loanda, which is uh, uh, 20,000 inhabitants, maybe, uh, at the time that I was born. And, um, and then later I moved to Maringa. Maringa is more, to, at the time I moved there, it was uh, 300,000 inhabitants. So it's like pretty, it's a great city. Um, and Loanda was very interesting, like growing up, I, I grew up there till seven and um, I could just bike everywhere. There was nothing and uh, <laughs> completely free. Um, um, and then growing up in Maringa after seven to 
Then I, I've done college in Maringa. Um, it was it was very interesting. I was always a bad student. Like I always um, um, needed like extra. My mom always put me into. Um, you know what do you say? Like how do you say? Um, hey, force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she was extra also, push. Is a little yeah. little. Yeah, I always I, yeah. had extra after the school, you know, like because I was doing bad at school, I had to do that all the time, and it, it was funny. Um, and um, why, and why really do you think you were not a good student? When, when group? And I asked this because uh, I was a very polarizing uh, student myself, so I would only be good at the things that would interest me, and the and the subjects that I was not interested, I would almost refuse to learn them. Uh, <laughs> So my mom wasn't that happy about that either. <laughs> uh, it's weird. I, I, I think I probably didn't care. And, and the, that's the, the problem is that uh, I really care because I didn't want to go to the extra school things. I, I was like always mad. I was like, oh, man, I'm doing bad. Now I have to go to this thing. So I really wanted to go. Well, it's cool. Like I take good grades, but I couldn't like I just couldn't, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it was interesting. And uh But then, like, for, to get to college in Brazil, we have this test, right, the vestibular thing. And then uh, at that point, I was, uh, I was like, okay, this is a serious one. I really need to sit down and study. And then, and then I was able to get into computer science. And I think that's where um, I had the dream that it was, it was going to go great. And I had to, you know, I was going to have this amazing experience. And the college was really important and, and all that. Was it that. a literal and, dream or... You, it was an aspiration, basically, just you. It was an aspiration. I was like, okay, you know, high school, everything else sucked so far. Then I'm going to go to this university thing. It's going to be great. I'm going to have this career. It was great for the first month, a lot of party, a lot of things. And then, But then, like, it was so bad. Like, I was, I was, the, uh, I was horrible. I was, like, the worst student in the, in the first year. I hated it. There was a lot of math, a lot of calculus, a lot of things in computer science that was unrelated to, to the things that I liked. So then, um, so then I basically gave up. I was like, okay, this is not for me. And uh, I opened a business, which was um, in Brazil. Um, games were, was really hot at the time. And it was like a video games, so playing in LAN, uh, LAN house. So yeah, then I opened up. It was the Counter yeah, Strike days, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. we all do. So, yeah, why so... why get girls, right? Let's just pretend <laughs> to kill each other with yeah. machine guns. Yeah, and then I I uh, I started a business, and um, and then I had employees, and I had all these things, and then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? It sucks. I never, ever, ever want to have a business again. That was my, I was like, this is the worst thing having to deal with people. And, and, and I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, I need to finish college uh, for real and then get it, get my diploma and, and then get a good job and, and never, ever open a company again. That was my, <laughs> my learning. Seems, seems like exactly what happened. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so then I, I So then I was the worst student in the, in college. Then I, I, after this opening a company thing, I, I came so, back. Well, wait, wait, wait. Before that, I think that there's a trivial aspect, not a non-trivial uh, part of what you're talking about here, which is you again realized that you weren't really suited for academia or maybe that like uncreative structural setup in which, you know, unfortunately most people learn today. 
uh, I, I, by knowing you and you know this is more of a suspicion that, that I think that you know I suffer from that as well and I would consider myself a creative person as well but quitting college and starting a business is just a pretty big jump like just giving up college is already a big jump how did you go from that to actually hey I actually want to start uh, a business and was it because you were already building things and you had this urge of just continuing to build like what brought you to say okay out of all the things I can do in my life now I'm going to start a uh, a game studio No so so the that one was out of uh, so I had already gave up but then like there was a strike in Brazil for the college so there nobody was so in that time oh, yeah. I this I is crazy for the ones that don't know. Yeah, the public colleges in Brazil they go on strike frequently, right? Yep. And then there was like a six-month strike, and then in that time I, I created the business and and I was uh, running it. But by the time like uh, this six months uh, passed by, I was like, wow, it really sucks to to run a business and have employees and do all these things. I really want to go back to college. So then I, like this strike actually saved me because it, it gave me time to try something new and then go back to it. Um, and that was, uh, it was funny because I was the worst student in, in college when, before the strike. And then after the strike, I was the best. I was like, I came back, I was like, oh, I really need to, <laughs> really need a job. I really need security. I really need an easy job, whatever. <laughs> I was really, yeah, that was uh, my experience at least. <laughs> and then, That's great. Yeah. Interesting. And then it, it was funny because um, I came back to college. Uh, the first in, in uh, Brazil is the whole year. So you, you, you do like by, by quarter. So in the first two quarters, I was the best student. I was like uh, taking the highest grades. But then in Brazil, like if you take the highest grades two times, then you're, you're almost like, you, you don't need actually to work hard to the other one. So I was like, highest grade, highest grade, and then zero. <laughs> and, then, and then I came back to normal. So I was like just lazy yeah. again. Today. Well, you were just, you just like a good software developer, right? Like the best uh, developers I know are very lazy. For them, it's more just about like, how can I get it done with the minimum amount of effort or work? So, you know, no, so according to the code there, you passed already. So that, that that's actually an appropriate answer. <laughs> so lazy. I'm really... <laughs> yeah, that's my early story. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And then um, I, I'd love, you have something that I think that the most successful uh, founder couple that I know are the founders of Cisco. Uh, and then basically, so you're married, right, to your co-founder as well. And you guys, you met in college. Like, how, how is it that you and, uh, and Sylvia uh, connected? Yeah, so we, um, we we actually met in high school. We were in high school together. Then we went to college. Oh, nice. She... You guys are high school sweethearts. That's, that's no, we were not together. Uh, oh, okay. so it was during college. So then... Um, Doing that, she went to UK after the first year. She had she wanted to have this one year um, uh, abroad experience, so she went to UK for a year, and it, and she had the exact same experience as me. Is like wow, living by myself is so hard. Like having to work is hard. I, I want to go back to my mom's house and <laughs> and then uh, enjoy. So she came back and 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 for the next three years we enjoyed together. Um, after she came back. Uh, and we stayed together since. And uh, <laughs> but I think it's funny. Like both of us, we had the same experience of like trying to go to the work 
does something and then like coming back is like oh realizing that the time in school was the so precious for us because we, we were in our parents hometown so we were living with our parents enjoying them uh with adult lifehood so like full-time living with my parents was really fun uh you know going drink a beer with my my dad you know that was really um the best time in our lives and like having this extra four, four years together like being older was kind of very nice i i don't i think it was good that's great. Yeah, I think that if you ask me, I am not very much in favor of college across the board unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer. But for the type of work that we do, you know, for you as an entrepreneur, uh, for me as a as an as an as a venture investor, you really have to go to college. And f fortunately, there are many different. Mo you have to study a ton. Uh, you know, every day I, I read over an hour and a half daily, um, but. You don't need that structural setup. Also, if you have the courage to not have to live by the fact that's like, oh yeah, so I went to school in this place or that place, and you know, I think we 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 live a little bit of that uh, here in 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 the Bay Area for sure. Uh, yeah, where... I, I agree with you. But I using hiring, like when I'm hiring engineers, I, I know that like if somebody finished college is because they. There is a lot of engineers who uh, give up of, of computer science, for example, and uh, I think like I box, I box the ones that were able to finish in the like okay this this guy can like guy or girl can really finish um, something right like till the end like really start something that's hard and then uh, like fully finish uh, a project is hard, um, and I give credit to that. Like, I think like when I'm hiring. A computer, somebody who who have a computer science degree for me is more like a. It's a plus, like oh, this person can finish something even if they don't like it. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yes, no, that's great. I I do think also that there will be other ways of measuring that, right? Maybe if they, right. if they left to start a certain project, which they've reached to some sort of uh, completion or, or closing chapter. But your point is perfect. I I I, I tend to agree. I think that. The other aspect that I believe is extremely important about college is that when it, so I think it's it, I don't I think it's 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 really important to apply and get in, and then live the first uh, two years. There's something extremely valuable about going uh, and having a bunch of first time experiences with tons of people on your on the same age during this, at the same age group in a safe environment. Meaning you can fail miserably many many times. And it's okay. And it's not just about work, but it's also about socializing and parties and organizing things and really having room to figure out who you are and what matters to you and, and being okay uh, if, if some of these things will change or, or, or not. So that aspect, unfortunately, has not been able to be reproduced by any of the new novel pro programs. Um, yeah. You know, it could they, could they be uh, coding schools or the great work that the folks uh, at OnDAC do or and so forth? Uh, just the ability of uh, going to parties, failing, being rejected, trying different things, sports. Just uh, it's it's extremely important for the formation of the human character. So that is also something that uh, that I think it's. Uh, it needs to be taken in, in consideration, aside from yeah. what you said, the ability to complete things. 
And, and also the what really saved me on a computer science level was my dad, he he went and paid for like, I think it was like at the time, like, I don't know how much it would be in converting to current US dollars. It would be like a hundred dollar course, like PHP, how to code PHP at the time, uh, how to code PHP one week course. And I was so pissed of him. I was like, oh, you just spent a hundred dollars. That's so much money. Uh, like I could, you know, like don't, don't do that. I can learn by myself. And, and then I was, I was really telling him like, I can learn this stuff for by myself, but you never do. So like you could learn anything by yourself, but you, you don't actually stop for a week and sit in front of a, a teacher and, and really like try to learn. So th that moment in my life really changed my life because that's where I, I learned how to code. It was not in college, it was during college, but like my, my father paid for this one week thing. And then um, during the course, I, I created this, uh, it was like a, at the time there was Photolog. I don't know if you remember, uh, uh, it was popular in Brazil. I created a version of that for, yeah. for my Pick town. Mix. Yeah. And then we, we started, it was hilarious. I didn't have any, like, I didn't have any advisor ever, like during the entire, uh, of my career in Brazil and in, in Italy, like, like just like, uh, somebody to advise you with technical things. So we, we had so many users that uh, I had to shut down, sign up like for, for some days, fix some bugs and then turn it on again. And then it would break again. I had to like constantly remove signups <laughs> on the site. Right? <laughs> Imagine if you did that today. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was so funny. We had so much traction. I didn't, didn't even understand like w what it meant. And, um, and it was, um, and I think that's the difference here in the Bay Area and in U US in general. Like if you're in a good school and there is like, if you have a product that, that has traction, like you have good people supporting you in the, especially if you're in the Bay Area, right? Like imagine if you're in Stanford and you, you, you created a product that has traction. I think you have a, a whole network um, surrounding you. And I think that's the biggest difference uh, where like good schools in the US have against like, for example, growing up in Brazil and, and doing all, all these things, right? Exactly. And even Europe as well, I would say that for me, yeah. that's what brought me to, to to America. I remember the first trips I would take in a business setup and I would go to the schools and I would go to the meetings and I, there was just an, a whole lot of positivity. It's as if people would, you know, you would say something and people would trust you. And then all you have to do is just, you know, prove them otherwise or just prove them that what you said was true. Whereas, uh, you know, in, in Brazil, because there's just so much uh, fraud combined with, you know, all the colonialism that people kind of, they need to know who they're talking to before they can trust you. So credibility without saying anything matters more than the unpretentiousness of, a, you know, a kid in a hoodie can then, you know, eventually build something massive. So. Um, that changes completely. This is that spirit, uh, Rafa, was precisely what brought me to this country. Um, so I think you're you're touching on an important point. But instead of coming here, though, you after you graduated, you went to Italy. So how is that, <laughs> and why Italy? Yes. <laughs> so my, my wife's uh, father, he, he's Italian, and he moved to Brazil early on in his life, and then. Uh, so he still has a, had a house in Italy and he, he has family in Italy. And we, we had like my wife's brother and sister were in Italy already. 
And uh, you know, as a Brazilian, you, as you would imagine, like if you if you are anywhere in Brazil, I had this in my mind, like okay, if I if I finish computer science, I have to go to São Paulo. That was like the obvious um, career move to just go to São Paulo, find a job in São Paulo, and work like in where where the things are happening. So it was so obvious for me, like I had to go to São Paulo. Then this opportunity came to go to Milan, which is in Italy, like compared to Sao Paulo is this little tiny farm and then like, like so small compared to, to Sao Paulo that I, I was like, okay, <laughs> I, I would rather not go to Sao Paulo and go to Milan. It looks, uh, looked like at the same level. And we, yeah, we, we moved to Milan because it was convenient and it, it was easier than moving to Sao Paulo, in my opinion. I think moving from anywhere in the world to Sao Paulo, it's such a different, like it, it's, it's such a huge city. Um, so yeah, we prefer to just go to Italy and that was, that was very cool. Like we, we, we had good times in, um, in Italy. We, um, you know, we had a lot of friends who were Brazilian in Italy and, and some of them, um, would be like complaining about the culture of, uh, you know, Italian culture because it's very, um, um, you know, it's, um, it was very closed in many ways. It's hard to make friends in Italy, right? Yeah, it's actually, uh, let me try to explain. So Italians like to do things in, the, in their way and it's the Italian way. And uh, we, we easily realize that like either we do, we are in Italy and we do the things in Italian way and hang out with Italians and do like things like they do. And, and you have to love it uh, to do that. Otherwise, you're going to have a sad life and uh, be, you know, not have fun and, and do, you know, like be complaining about things that don't matter. So we, we really like, we really like um, went deep into like doing things with Italian friends and like really like going deep into the culture and embracing Italy. Like it was so much fun. That's uh, great. This, it reminds me of a book that I gift to most founders. Uh, this, uh, from this guy named Michael Singer called The Surrender Experience which is just the importance of just surrendering in life. I think this is such a, it's a beautiful example when you're basically yeah. like, look, if you try to push it or you resist how things are done in that part of the world, you're going to be miserable. But if you embrace the way things are, then you live a happy, fulfilling life with flow. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and in Italy, the, it's, it's, um, it's a little cumbersome in the beginning because like, uh, it's, it's very different from Brazil. Um, but it, I mean, they, they really know how to live life. You know, it's a, it's a high quality life. Like I was playing tennis every day. I was like leaving work, like at uh, 6 PM playing tennis, like, having fun, like going traveling everywhere. That was like really, really fun. And, and we stayed there for five years. Um, so Sylvia, my wife, she, she wants, she's the one who wanted to come to us. And I was like, I was becoming Italian. I was like, why? Like, they, they <laughs> there. like why? I was very, uh, you know, as a, a, you know, I had this preconcept of, about America, about the Bay Area and every, everything. I was like, kind of, um, why would they go there? Like, I have, I have such a great life here. Like, uh, look at this food. This is amazing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, uh, I was uh, in that mode. And I did yeah. it. I, I, I was it's like, fantastic. I, be, it's I mean, so I remember good. just one time I was near Bologna in Italy, uh, yeah. and I went to a gas station to just, you know, I was like, we were driving. I had to pee. And we stopped, and 
it's just an incredible burrata <laughs> and a fogaccia sandwich with incredible prosciutto at the gas station. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, it's, um, I, I, this, of course, they do have incredible restaurants and amazing gastronomical yeah. experience, but just to give you a sense, right, I, I remember that moment so vividly. I was yeah. like, wow, the Italians really know how to eat well. Yeah, in, in my mind, I was like, look at this food. Like, they go, in America, they eat burgers. Can you believe they eat burgers? And I didn't even understand what burgers were, but I was like, you know, thinking like that, right? So, um, and that was, that's what, but then like, and then she, she won and then we came, uh, but, and, and then that's where, um, yeah, we work working with tech in, in Europe and it was really fun because we imagine like two engineers, uh, Sylvia and I, we were, we were like two engineers working the same company in the same team, uh, uh, husband and wife, they would like send us for three months in, uh, in Spain. And, and then it was good for the, the company because They'll pay for one hotel and one car, <laughs> and then like, <laughs> you know, and then we, we love to travel. So, <laughs> I'm just impressed that you guys have such beautiful uh, partnership. It's just so rare, do, doing so many different chapters in life with the professional aspect as well. Um, it's uh, it's interesting. How, how do you think you guys make that work? Yeah. So. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we, we have fun. And uh, what happened in Italy is funny because as soon as I, I arrived, because of that, it's funny because of that, remember that one week course about PHP in, in Brazil? Yeah. As soon as I arrived in Italy, I found a job like one day later with doing PHP programmer. And, and I found a job. Like I, I couldn't speak Italian. I couldn't speak English. Uh, I couldn't do like I arrived to the job interview. The guy was so nice. There was he was so kind. He was like, "Do you know? Do you know uh, Ital Italian?" And I was like, and then, and then, and then he asked me in English, but his English was uh, similar to mine. So we both were like, "Yeah, yeah English, yeah, yeah." <laughs> like, you know how to code? Yeah, yeah, code, code. I code, I code so much. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, hired." <laughs> and. Uh, so, and it was hilarious because, um, and I was having so much fun with these guys, but, uh, you know, when you meet somebody in a language, so they met me in English and it's really hard to change the language they speak of somebody that you met in a certain language, right? Unless it's your mother language, like you and I, we could just go for Portuguese right now, but if it's not our mother, mother language, if you met somebody in a language, it's really hard to switch. So... I started, uh, it was like my first day in Italy, I had a job, then um, then I started learning Italian and I really wanted to, to speak in Italian with these guys, right? So I would arrive to the office and say, Hi, ciao. Uh, and they would reply to me, hi. hi. You know, so it's, I think like for Americans, it's, it's harder to, to, learn, um, to learn any other language because everybody wants to speak English, right? So I think that's one of the things. And um, everybody just wanted to speak in English with me in the company. So then uh, Sylvia, she had, um, she found this job where she was commuting for two hours and a half one way and two hours and a half. It was like a shitty life, the worst life in the, like she would arrive at home like at 11 p.m. after the commute and then I would be home at six. So, you know, and then I decided to switch jobs to go to work in, in the same company as she was because... 
Um, and then in, in the job interview, uh, they asked me, hey, do you speak uh, English? Nope. Do you speak, speak Italian? Uh, nope. <laughs> and then I the guy's like... PHP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, no, it was, it was worse because they, they, was, they were hiring for Java and they're like, do you know Java? Nope. <laughs> and then, <laughs> but, How did you get uh, the job? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Sylvia's brother was working in the company for like three years already. And they're like, oh... The, and then they're like, the, the guy, like years later, he tells me like, this guy was just, didn't know anything. He doesn't know like how to speak. He doesn't know how to code. And then, uh, and then he went uh, to his boss and he's like, well, but if there is any chance he's as good as Luciano, then uh, we're going to hire him. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the, so it was more of like a family, like a heritage of like, you know, these programmers. Yeah. I see. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. The, the uh... Brazilian. I love and it. then, uh, but then they hired me, and then uh, I started there. And uh, but it was funny because I refused to speak English from first day, so they had to teach me Italian. So in, in after thirty days, I was doing like phone calls in Italian. I was like talking to everybody. It was like it was great. That's awesome. And che parla italiano molto bene, no? Poco. Poco. Okay. Yeah. I'm. A, I'm. A, I, I have a passport. I'm a citizen. Uh -huh. um, I, I did like a year and a half of like Italian. And then I remember when I was at, uh, at Sengrit and I had a, uh, we had this Italian customer that was sending a bunch of spam and <laughs> it didn't speak English. And, and then I thought, oh, maybe I speak some Italian to realize that I didn't speak a thing. You know, I mean, I could yeah. leave me alone at a bar. I'll get around, but like not to have a, uh, a, a DNS, you know, uh, IP specific conversation with a spammer in Italian. <laughs> that was not, uh, not possible. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but, you know, but then continuing on your journey to build things, I, you know, I consider you that type of founder that aside from being inevitable, that, you know, a very product centric founder that builds and, and, and ships quite a lot with tons of creativity, you know, just, uh, you, you have that extra level of like product sophistication that kind of resembles art in a way. Um, and then basically, you know, you then started doing, um, a custom, an app that was just doing custom notifications for, for Craigslist or okay. were you already in the U S like, what was the, the jump there basically? And when you came to the U S you, 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 you guys came straight to California, right? Yeah. So, so what happened was that, um, in Italy, I had like, I could have lived in my entire life in Italy, but I would have this, um, I don't know what, what it was, but at night I'll be like, so pissed that I was not learning enough. I'll be like pissed with myself. I was like, Whoa, this it's, I'm, I'm like doing, I'm not learning. I'm not doing like anything like, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm a, I always want to be constantly learning, especially like product and, and engineering. So I think that that's something that uh, I want to, even on any car to, to everybody who works with us, like to, to be constantly le learning. And I think if we create that culture, that's the best, like, doesn't matter. Like, I think that's really important. So then I was every, every night I'd, I'd be in Italy, I'd be frustrated. So like from 7 PM to like midnight, I'd be like trying to learn new things on my own. So. I had this boss called Simona and she was um, super nice of us. Like imagine like the best boss you can ever have. Um, and, and she knew like I, I love to learn and she knew like that, that like learning is very important for me. So we moved to the US uh, and b before Android was released, they, they this company um, that um, 
that the Italian company acquired, they, they were building like a, imagine like Google Play for, for Motorola, I think it was at the time. Um, oh, yeah. so I, and, and... I, 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 I used to work for a company called Nimbus before the iPhone came out and we were the number one app on the OV store. <laughs> the Nokia's app store. <laughs> That's how old we are, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was before Android was even released. Like we, we were like, uh, they, they got this really good teacher to do again one week bootcamp, and uh, my boss was like, okay, Rafa should do this bootcamp too, right? And then like, she just did it because uh, I was not in the project. She just knew that I, I love to learn. Um, and then during like, so it was my first week in in America. In the first week in America, I started this bootcamp that uh, during the one week bootcamp, I built this app, which was uh, just to learn everything about Android. So Android, one of the things about Android that's really cool is the notification, internal notification system that they have. Like you can spin up every like five seconds, open something and, and do uh, run some code uh, on Android, like on, in the background all the time. And that was really new. Like there was no, like iOS, I don't even think iOS has that right now. So on Android, you could do that like since the beginning. And that was really cool. So I was like, okay, uh, what's a use case that I have every every day? Because the first thing you do when you arrive in, in, in the US is that you learn about Craigslist. Craigslist is the best it's thing a, ever. It's, a, it's, it's amazing, right? Like we don't have any of that because... Probably someone's gonna kill you, or you're gonna get. Re I mean, it's getting better now, but still. No, it's insane. Like, like the Craigslist experience for immigrants is uh, it's it's incredible, man. Like that was the the one that for me was like, wow, this is the best product ever, Craigslist, and and yeah, so simple, just tax times New Roman as the font, but yeah. it works really well. And then also, I'm just I was, I remember in the beginning, I had you know. I had no fuck. I had no money at all, and I moved here, didn't know anyone, and I was shocked with the amount of things Americans would just throw out in the trash. They were like right. perfectly fine <laughs> things. So my first entire kitchen, it was out of other people's trash. Like yeah. I was, I moved to Colorado Boulder. It, you know, it was basically a, a college town, and um, I was living in this neighborhood called the Hill. And uh, I, I got there. I rented a horrible apartment. It was horrible to the point that when my mom came to visit me, she cried a little bit when she saw like the state of like the, the, the horrible <laughs> studio I used to live. I was I was sad. I'm like, wow, I didn't want to make you yeah. cry, mom. But then I was when when the semesters would change and you would see what people were just were throwing out perfectly good things. So my first apartment came mostly from the trash. Um, <laughs> very. <laughs> Very glamorous, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. the uh, anyway. So you're you're saying that you know your use case for Android as you were building yeah. uh, the application, it was uh, regarding uh, Craigslist and yeah, the biggest pattern in Craigslist that you find yourself like refreshing Craigslist all the time because you want a deal or you want an apartment or you want like something like that. So. Uh, for me, it was such a big use case because uh, my use case was. I'm a good tennis player, but I'm not great. And I, at that time, like I didn't have money to buy like the Nadal tennis racket that was like $200. Uh, so in my mind, it's like, okay, I don't deserve paying $200 on a tennis racket, but I, if it was like 80, then I'll, I'll buy it for 80, right? Like, so, uh, but you can, on Craigslist, you can get all the kinds of deals. 
but it just needs to wait. So I created this app that you can just say, oh, tennis racket, Nadal for 80, notify me right away, otherwise you lose the deal. Um, so, so then uh, the app would just notify me and I got the tennis racket and I was like, oh, this could actually be useful for other people. Then, then I, I, I launched on the Google Play. I didn't even have a phone at the time. It was like Google had this insane. I, I felt like paying five hundred dollars for a phone was ridiculous at the time. I was like, why would I ever pay that much money for for a phone ever? And I love my Nokia sixty five fifty or something. <laughs> I really I had that mentality. I didn't really care uh, about iPhone. I didn't really care about anything. I, I was not gonna buy an Android phone. Um, but then I launched this app and it started having a lot of users. And, and then, um, but it was still like, I'm never gonna buy a, a phone that costs $500. But then Google sends me a free phone. Like that was like, the, <laughs> that was the thing that I was like, okay, now I love this phone. And I love this, everything about phones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then at the time it was so clear in my mind that uh, the future would have to be, look, these are my interests. Uh, notify me when these interests are met exactly when it, when i need it not don't bother me like that for me that was future of search so i'm searching for this uh when my criteria is met like tell me you know i don't think there is any product like that yet but uh, i'll I'll, I'll keep my eye on that i still yes. think that's big so, yes absolutely absolutely so you've um it's almost as if craigslist is basically an open protocol in a way within you know uh like that whole i love that image that um uh we maybe we, you know maybe we can put that after in the in the, in the, in the, in the post-production but just that image where you have craigslist and all these like 10 different decacorns that are disrupting specific aspects of it but there is a part of it as almost you can you know say that craigslist is smtp for life in a way as a metaphor for right? like everything that moves around in your life physical objects or things you got to do or buy or meet people and so forth and um and you know the the founder he, he's a billionaire, and you know is a very low profile um, a billionaire, and it's f impressive that the product is still so great and so shitty at the same time, um, right? <laughs> like if you think about an app. they launch huh? an app these days, I think they just launch an app finally this year or last year. You and you know and and their competitors that are all unicorns, you know, offer up or thread up and so forth, like they. Um, they don't do that much different. Like it's just not that different. Uh, same goes for, I guess you know, aspects of, uh, of of Facebook Marketplace and so forth. It's just uh, oftentimes the best ideas. I think the best startup ideas are are extremely simple for recurring needs that any human has. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, similar to you know what you have in any everyone everyone has to eat. <laughs> So, I guess yeah. there is a there's that, but then uh, you know I think that it's interesting. So you 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 guys were here, you moved here, you were working on all these side apps. It's this adapt whole adaptation towards living in California. Uh, were you always living in the peninsula, or did you actually live in San Francisco for a little bit? Yeah, so we lived everywhere. We lived in um, so. I built this up, then uh, I started working for the this Italian company for a year, but the app was like booming, like we, we, we had so many users and uh, and so on. And then um, and and then I started, I decided to join a, um, a friend who had a startup uh, doing news and things like that and uh, didn't work. But but then like so, so basically Sylvia continued working with the Italian company. 
so we had like uh, uh, something stable while I was just like experimenting, taking California in and we moved to San Francisco. So we were in Los Gatos in the first year. Uh, in Cam we were living in Campbell, working in Los Gatos. Then, um, then we, we decided to move to SF where everything was happening. Um, so we, we moved to what SF. What year was this in SF? 2011. Yeah. Oh, that's so, right. When I moved as well. And it was so crazy, right? Like it, it was a completely different city. It was clean and we had, uh, just uh, so much was, um, was working and people wanted to collaborate. It was so, so different than I think what, what has happened now. And we, there was a, it was a great mayor that did all the tax incentives and so forth. Um, yes. I don't know. I love SF. I continue. I'm, I'm such a positive. Uh, I, I, I just, yeah. So I just love SF. If I could live in SF again, I would. Um, I just, um, I think it's a great place. I mean, just we, so what happens like we, we, in the, we moved to Tahoe, then we, at some point, but then we, we came back to SF. So basically it was like, oh, this is so boring in, uh, in town. And then I just feel like SF is like one of those places that you, you always want to come back to it, uh, after having other experiences, even like, so I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's, it's a place where things are happening. Um, maybe, yeah, I'm, I'm in Mountain View now with kids and things, but, uh, I feel like in a couple of years, we might come back to the city or I don't know. I just, I, I just like SF a lot. It's the good memories. And, and it's funny because we, we always liked Soma and we were or like the Soma, <laughs> we always lived in Soma and, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, so yeah, so. We first year uh, working with the Italian company, then we um, we started the Sylvia continue working with them, and then I was experimenting with a lot of things. In in between that, like I launched this recipe app, which is which was um, you know we had a bunch of ideas of, of things that could pick up traction in uh, in apps because like there were not many apps at the time that uh, that that could could do big things, right? I just, I just realized like by doing the Craigslist app that I wanted to build something that uh, positively impacts millions of people every day. And then once I had that realization, I was like, oh, that's, that's what drives me. That's what, that's what I was born to do. Like, that's what I, makes me happy. That's what makes me wake up every day happy. That's what like makes me keep thinking at night. Like that's what drives me. Uh, once I, I realized during that year that like, that's exactly what I want to do with my life. Then I was like, okay, let me, let me, I created a list of everything that will positively impact people, uh, help people. And then I'll, I'll build an app for that. So that, and then like, and I ordered by, um, I ordered them by, by number of people who use, would use that app. Right. So, and then the most hilarious part is that the, the number one app would be a recipe app because it was like people uh, eat every day, recipe apps are free. Like people can just download them like without paying. And then, you know, we, I can reach more people with a recipe app than I can with a Craigslist app. So then I, in a, I, and then I made the list and the recipe app was number one. And then uh, that was on a Saturday. Then on, on, on Sunday, um, I released a fake recipe app on the Google play, just like, 
it had like three recipes and copy and pasted them like and, and put it in and uh, in 24 hours you were basically i love the practicality of how you live your life just in terms of it's true i think it's uh, um uh one of the combinations that makes you such a special founder is that this insane uh curiosity and you know how to learn you learn very fast but you also get it done you execute you just don't stay in the idea world I think that that's uh, that's fascinating that you just you know you ranked out the ideas. It's basically, you know, there is this moment on the whole like Joseph Campbell thing, which is like you know you're at the belly of the whale basically. Like you know you cross a point of no return, uh, knowing that you want to impact millions of people, but then you know you're about to face a bunch of obstacles. So I guess we we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest one is the realization. Like I think you know when you. As an immigrant, you arrive to the Bay Area. Even if you're American, like coming from anywhere else, you arrive in the Bay Area, you start meeting people, right? You meet these people like, oh, this guy is ex-founder of X. He, massive exit, very successful. And then you start meeting all these successful people. And, and like, if you're an engineer, like the only thing that you, you need to know is like uh, pattern recognition, like, right? Like engineers are really good in uh, pattern matching things. And then I was like, okay, what does this guy has to do with this guy, with this other guy, with this other guy, with this other guy? And it's just, it's always the same pattern, which is like, do something for seven years, uh, you know, like, and just keep at it, like, do something that's big enough, that's like, it's going to stay uh, true for at least seven, seven years. During the seven years, there's always going to be a breakthrough of technology that will make you, will allow you to, to grow, right, your company. So like, if you're... For example, if you're doing a, and then I created a list of things that I, I didn't need to do um, marketing to succeed. I didn't need to do anything. Like, so I, I think my pattern is like, I don't, I don't want to work on things that I can be blocked. So like I, I put things on, on the list that are only things that I, I don't need anybody to, to succeed. So I can out-engineer anybody. And that was my mindset. Look, I, I'm just going to work on something for seven years. That's going to be like, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to out-engineer everybody. Or my product is going to be so much better than everybody else. And, and I'm going to do this for seven years. It's going to be a recipe app. I know that people have recipe apps on the internet before, on, on the web. That's pretty big. I'm going to do that on mobile. That was like, it, it was a, such an easy pattern for me to, to, to keep at it for seven years. Um, we got super lucky that in one year we generated enough value that we sold the company to to the largest uh, recipe website. But like Amazing. in the end, like I was gonna do it for seven years because I saw it right. That's great. <laughs> so, I, I I love the seven year mark, and I think it's just uh, it correlates also with how I think in terms of making investments, and this is something that. Um, my former manager at the firm, the first VC job I had at FCVC, a funders club, um, I remember bringing, you know, I, I was a very hungry associate and I would, you know, like, like, like how you're saying it. So I'll try to like out engineer. My goal was to out hustle. Um, anyone that I was competing against with, I was like, I can take more meetings than other people. No problem. Um, and meet more founders. And sometimes I'd get very excited because the problem with you, junior investors is that oftentimes the incentives are incorrect you just want to get deals through so you grow and become a partner um and i only learned that after i started you know a a, a, a few venture firms basically like you know like with ONVC and now with Atman. but um 
I remember him saying, these are perfectly fine businesses and they're being run by incredible people. But we have to underwrite our exits at a minimum. At that time, it was a billion dollars. Today, I would say the minimum is 10 billion uh, just because of the size of the market and how big the funds are and, 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 and the fact that that type of exit is very possible, right? There have been many examples. But he said, we need to think about who's going to buy this company in seven to 10 years from now. And when they are underwriting their case, they need to at least see three times their money. So how is it that this can become very large in a decade or seven years from now and then still be a story that is going to be at a minimum of 3x for whoever buys it? That really impacted my... Uh, my my framework of, uh, of 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 thinking. There's even a, a particular investment uh, that uh, that I led when I was at one VC called Covi, uh, and um, we ended up making the investment. But we were they basically rent uh, mobility um, uh, uh, vehicles, uh, basically rent cars for Uber drivers. Um, but they're just they're a, traditionally a mobility company, and uh, we were concerned about uh, self-driving uh, cars what would happen at the time of the exit. But we saw that level five automation was still so far away that we were comfortable making the investment. But uh, I love that you just have that as like the framework, you know, so um, uh, in terms of, uh, oh, okay, if I want to be successful in Silicon Valley, I need to work on something for a minimum of seven years. It's it's some, such a minimum because it takes five years to do anything good anyway. Like, for example, any cards, right? Like we, we started on, on the on the back end of something like that we were working already for three years. And then uh, it looks like we, we, and then, you know, it just takes five years to, for you to build anything useful anyway. And then like this two last years of like capitalizing on something great, you know, like it, it just takes like, if you don't, if you don't allow you like to, to build for five years and then like this two years of growth, it's, it's just like, it, it's hard. I, I think like, um, and, and, and what I've done in 2011, I just aligned this passion of, uh, of impacting positively millions of people with something that I could do without getting blocked, which is like, I can build a recipe site. Like, come on, that's like, if you're learning how to code, like literally recipe sites are, is, is the ultimate tutorial, how to build a website is always a recipe site. So I was like, okay, I can build a recipe site. I can do that for seven years. And then if we keep succeeding uh, and being number one uh, recipe app. Uh, so in that Sunday, I, I launched this app with three recipes. And, um, and then I saw that I could get more downloads uh, from a recipe app than I could get from for a Craigslist app. And we were the number one Craigslist app on the, on the store. So, so then like knowing that number, like that recipe apps are bigger than Craigslist apps, then... Um, then where I was like, okay, this is big because if, if we can get like more users to use recipes than Craigslist, then that was the data that, that I was like, okay, this is good enough for me. <laughs> I can, I'm passionate about food. I came from Italy. Like I can really go deep into this problem and create the best search engine for recipes. I can create all these things. I can, you know, do all this better than, uh, than other people. And then I think, yeah, I was really ready. <laughs> That's great. And then you mentioned also that you know, back when you had your photo app and you're like, oh my God, the servers are fry. I'm going to shut off like signups, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. it's a, so, like, you know, you like that word insane. It's a, that's an, an insane way of solving that problem. 
But um, were you at some point start meeting with uh, mentors or people that helped you out along the way with 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 all the cooks and how did uh, Silicon Valley play a role in that part? I, I and also. If you can answer that question in a way that I think it's uh, helpful for other people, meaning probably you get a bunch of requests for people that want your time, but they don't really understand, like they don't tell you why or how you can actually be helpful. For me, at least it happens almost daily. So just uh, how to actually find a mentor who helped you and how do you conquer that mutual respect? Because oftentimes a mentor is someone that's busier than you and they got to be attracted to something that you're doing to then, you know, offer you time and expertise, right? That, that's so, yeah, that's such a great question. The, the reality for me is that uh, I, I wasn't, so my first company, the, this recipe app company, I was really brute forcing. Like I was re literally like going to sleep every single day at 7 a.m. And then I, I would like put my alarm for uh, 9.30 a.m. I, I would like, I would sleep with uh, earplugs, with, with eye patch. I put the things on my nose so I could have this two two hours and a half of of, uh, of sleep, and I was literally I was like I was literally telling you like I'm gonna release new features in this app every single day. If I don't if I don't release a new feature today, I'm gonna I'm not gonna sleep until I release this feature. So I was literally doing that for a whole year, right? So um, it was such it. a brute force. <laughs> so it was such a brute force. Like we're, we're literally brute forcing everything. So uh, like. I didn't. I, I didn't do it in a smart way, like thinking about like uh, advisors and mentors and all these things. I, I feel like I um, I didn't use the the network that the Bay Area. Obviously, like so many people helped us, um, and so many nice people. Um, really, like I think the Bay Area. The one thing about the Bay Area is is that you don't actually need to engineer it. In my opinion, it comes for free. Because people were like, they were looking in my eyes like I had this like a massive, uh, <laughs> I was working so hard, they knew it. And they were like, I'm going to help this guy for like, I, I'm just going to do my best to help this guy without like, I, I, you just get this thing in the Bay Area for free, I think. I don't know. I don't That's know. Like, it's weird. Do, no, do, I, do you... I, I think it's true. I think people recognize who is in this uh well, that's the whole ethos behind this podcast about just, you know, being an inevitable person. I think that uh, when, at least for me as an investor, you know, you, you see it and, and you feel it uh, when you when you when you have a conversation with people that are willing to make the sacrifices that you've made and that I've made as well. I've slept under my desk many, many, many times. I, I still, you know, I wanted to also you touched on an interesting point that um, that, I, you know, just your whole view on work life balance. Um, I like to consider myself when I push a little too hard uh, that I, 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 you know, it's almost, there's that uh, episode on, in, on inside the, on the Simpsons that he says, oh, this is a problem for future Homer, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> we, like, oh, I feel sorry for that guy. <laughs> he says that to himself. Right. But I think that it's it's interesting because nothing amazing in this life is built without sacrifice, right? It's impossible, basically. And especially if you want to impact millions of people and raise millions of dollars and build a massive business. I don't know anyone that has done it without suffering. So when I see some of this um, work-life balance things, I, you know, I'm also not pro-hustle porn. I think that that's also kind of uh, idiotic. I think that you made a conscious decision to live your life that way. And you then start reaping right the rewards for that today, 
and you're just in no. the beginning, very, very early still. But, 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 but I'd love to learn what's your view on hard work, perseverance, um, sacrifice on like sleep time with your family, fun as well. I think for me it was out uh, out at that time I would be miserable if I didn't do that. Like it was like a, it would be actually the opposite. Like some people would view doing those sacrifices as like painful, or like for me it would be pain, painful to not have the opportunity to to do that. Like I was like really really happy, and and I think I was learning a ton. I was like every day. Uh, learning so much and that was that was the happiest like time like when for me it was like if I'm learning something new and like uh, doing something cool like it was, it was hilarious because I was I would literally force myself to release new new features on the app every single day and then uh, you know it's 7 a.m. like you're, you're like 7 a.m. I, I didn't sleep and then I'm like oh, finally and I was like I would push to deploy and go to sleep right away Then I would, I would wake up uh, at, at uh, 9.30 uh, and then like I crawl to my computer and I would see like crash reports on the app. Like there was like super high. <laughs> so, so people would be like upgrading the app and they're like crashing like crazy and like everybody complaining. And then like I would like fix it and send it again. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, feel, I feel like it's, it was, um, it was, I was not, I was not following Like I said, I think I was just brute forcing it. I was not following like any advice. I was just like doing it because I would not see myself doing it. I feel like for that advice of what you asked, um, to answer your question, I feel like if something feels abnormal to you and you're doing it and not, you're not liking it, it's probably worth like, you know, don't extra work or, you know, what I'm saying, like there's something, it could be more optimal maybe. Um, you know, I think th there is some balance there, right? I think that, um, it's good to have, um, that conscious as well. Like, because if you're, if you're like pushing yourself to do something that you're not liking it, I, I wouldn't like, I feel like what I've done was like, I aligned something that I, I, I can be completely unblocked. I, I don't need like to, I, I think the most important thing is like, I, I didn't have any excuse. So I always like all, all the companies that are in products that I work on, like even internally in, in, in any card today, like every, every new feature that we create, the way we design everything is like, we can't have any excuse to not succeed. And if, if we don't succeed, it's our, it's our fault. Right. So I feel like if you design yourself, your life in that way, like if, if you don't succeed, it's your fault, then, um, then I think like it, it removes a lot of the bad stuff, which is like the bad stuff is like, oh, you know, like it's, you know, I, I can't do this product because I, I didn't fundraise or I don't have money to, to do the product or like I don't have the funds. If, if, you, if you blame like fundraising for not succeeding, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's kind of the, it's hard. I love Does it. Does that make sense at all? Absolutely. You said, you know, you, I brute force my way into success. And if I don't succeed, it's my fault. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a really good uh, uh, summary. And I think that um, honestly, in my opinion, this is also the summarization of the American spirit, right? Which is that whole individualism, the sovereign individual self-reliance aspect of like, look, we're going to have a country that has basic rules where, you know, for the most part, We're not going to steal or kill each other. 
and you know um and then you know through the quality of your work you're going to get this thing called money and then through money you can do a bunch of other things that you want to do um and uh, so I, I i mean that is certainly um if one day we summarize you know when we get to 50 on 100 episodes of like the little snippets of what makes a founder inevitable i can guarantee you that this is going to be included because it's 100 percent true and um you know i i also think that um you know you it's not this was uh, all the cooks was not your the first project that you started you've had many 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 projects before even back when you were in college but it was you the know, first one where it actually went global and successful so yeah. how was uh dealing with that and you being in the bay area did you decide to then raise money or uh, or sell the the company right because you and i we met at that time it's such a random thing right we met at a, a microsoft azure conference um, that uh yeah uh, i used to go to conferences for a living but i know that you're not uh you're not the type of developer that typically goes to conferences so that's uh that's the other thing where you know i'm, I'm so fo uh i'm so grateful that we met at that you know that yeah day. The, the, I, I used to live like two blocks from the Moscone Center in, uh, in, in SF, so like, and get the tickets for free. So there was, I would always go like just to, to get some free t-shirts. <laughs> and, uh, no, but I feel like, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the one thing that in my opinion is, um, could, could make you feel like you, you, you like work. I think this work-life balance thing is, is really, it's an interesting question because, um, you know, for, for example, if I'm doing a company and, and the company to succeed, you need to fundraise, right? Uh, but I'm not a good fundraiser and, and I'm not confident I'm going to be able to fundraise. Like then it's like you started the wrong company, right? So really aligning uh from the beginning like on, on a project that you can succeed and, and setting up yourself for success for the next seven years right and and for example there there were more things that that uh, had more traction than recipes um but uh for example i could do have done a chat app right but there's is way more competitive at the time uh to do some like recipes there were like no competition uh i could do it for seven years because i'm passionate about it uh otherwise I, I wouldn't be like i would just quit for example i at the same time i was running this this app i was doing like ad mediation platform and i had all the bells and whistles so my background as an engineer is building ad mediation so i had like segmentation i had like a real-time uh, bidding uh, reverse bidding i had like uh, reporting i built all these features for ad mediation platform and then I gave up. I was like, ah, oh, this is boring. Like something that is not like impacting millions of people every day in positive ways. Maybe on ads is like a negative way. So I, I gave up uh, where I think you need to be true to yourself. Like is like, is, is, is the project something that you can do for truly seven years, right? And if it is and, and everything al aligns and you don't have any excuse to fail, I think that's where like it doesn't feel excruciating to work overwork or do all these things it just feels natural for, for me i think that's uh it's it's really it. cool uh that's it, it makes a lot of sense there were many times where um i spent friday nights or weekends by myself at the office i was happy i wasn't suffering i wanted to be there and i think that that's the that's what's important which ultimately is behind that inevitable uh spirit because 
I think that uh, it, it goes, you know, is, is that the quote I think that the U.S. Navy uses a lot that, you know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but not everyone wants to die. <laughs> and I think that uh, it, it, it goes to say that, you know, of course, many people, they, they just want to be a successful founder and raise money from the best VCs and, and build a multi-billion dollar business. Why wouldn't you? Right. But you got to want it and you got to want it to the degree that I think that um, you just don't see your existence on the earth plane but doing that like there's not there's no plan b plan a's plan a and you know there's no getting a job or just thinking about it i'm gonna do it when i'm ready uh that's why i think that the brute brute forcing <laughs> solutions is such a it's such a, a simple and interesting uh an interesting framework so uh you know you guys made it it's amazing I mean, you made it in the number one recipe app in the world last competition very interesting and then um you you didn't raise you bootstrap it right yeah so so the whole story is like we we launched this up uh, and in in a year so we were fully bootstrapped uh we had one year in the bank uh from our savings like you know like living in italy or i think our salary was uh, 50k a year uh of accumulated over five years or more so like we're like okay if we're very nimble we can like really do it and then uh our money fully ended so it was you know, we had millions of people, millions of downloads in this app. And I was like, oh, I don't know about fundraising and all these things. And uh, I, I should start interviewing for tech companies. So I interviewed for Facebook. I didn't pass. Then I interviewed for uh, other uh, tech companies. Then like it was like I, I, I knew that I could get a job. So then there, there was like zero. Like I, I once I knew that I could get a job, then for me it was like, okay, I'm going for this. Like I'm gonna go until my zero. Like I get to zero in the bank account, and I'm gonna really fully finish my. I or, love or, it. Always <laughs> bet bet the house on the recipe app, and then also, it's funny how I think Facebook really sucks at like recruiting <laughs> and retaining founders, right? You have Brian, founder of WhatsApp, you know, was also rejected by them. Then, you know, he sells, sells the company. Like, he, they rejected uh, you. And then where anyone that they acquire, they can't retain. It, it's just a, an interesting side oh. note on, on how Facebook sucks at, like, identifying and retaining high-quality founders. <laughs> oh, man. I really wanted to pass because I didn't have any money, right? So, like, imagine, like, I really, really wanted to pass. I, I was not, like, uh, bullshitting. I was not, like, being... You know, some people like I, I know friends that are really good developers when they get an offer, like they get an interview from Facebook, they do it because, you know, uh, but they say like, oh, I, I was not like prepared. I really like prepared and I studied like I, I tried to go and I really you gave failed. your best. <laughs> I gave my best. Yeah, yes, for sure. So like I just showed them my, my app at the time. Like I was like, look, this is my app. I, I'm, I'm interviewed for an Android position, right? Look, look at this crow. 60 fps on an old android phone look, look at this crow's performance on android and look at the facebook one like i, I was like in the interview right like look i think like we could do this at facebook and the guys are like okay yeah your app is amazing uh for sure like the feed is better and all that but then i like i didn't pass <laughs> so like yeah it took them like three years to get the feed to scroll at 60 fps like anyway so <laughs> no that's amazing too i i i i you know, I uh, I was rejected by Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft in the beginning of my career before understanding that I was also an unemployable person. And yeah. I am so grateful that 
during that interview process, these people thought I was weird. And you know why? Because today I am a happy, weird guy. Because in the end, no, it's true. Normal people do not build unicorns, let alone decacorns. No one that's the CEO of an early stage company that's bound to be massively successful is normal. Because this is the opposite of what people would consider to be a domesticated, nice type of life. Um, I have this whole theory about this, and I was so happy when I re when I was uh, deeply studying uh, Sequoia, and I saw that one thing that Don Valentine, you know, put in into that entire firm is that we enjoy investing in people that are weird. And then I, you know, and I think that it's good though, but it's a good weird, right? Because uh, you have to have this uh, suspending disbeliefs, almost this irrational pursuits of success. Uh, and truly affirm to yourself that you're going to get there. Otherwise you won't. And, um, so I, you know, yeah. There is a, a framework that I use is, uh, is like, what's the minimal acceptable, uh, like what's my backup, right? Where's, uh, where's, how can I cover my ass? <laughs> is it fast? Is it going to take me like uh, three months to recover? Is it going to be like painful? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like once I know what's the minimal bar, then, um, then, then for me, it's like, okay, the minimum bar I'm going to get a job at this company is not uh, Facebook, Google, whatever, but it's like good enough and I'm going to be able to survive and I'm going to be whatever. Then I, I just throw myself into like very, I, I just go all in. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's fine. I think a lot of people are like that. It's like, uh, oh, what's the worst that can happen to me if I try this thing, right? And, and thinking about the worst makes you, it's liberating. Uh, it's very li yes. liberating. Very liberating. I, there's a, I think a Tim Ferriss has a great TEDx talk about this, where he talks about, you, you know, that the best way for you to actually succeed in life and be positive is to list all your fears. <laughs> and, uh, and then you think about all the worst case scenarios. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I discover a stoicism through him and it was certainly a, an important framework out of my life. And I think that um, when we literally list out what's the worst that could happen, then it becomes easy, right? Because you see yeah. that like we're, <laughs> we're in this blessed, you know, thing called life. And even if there's yeah. a there's a pandemic or all the other things, you know, there's uh, light will always come in one way or the other. So, um, but, uh, yeah. but coming back. So then, you know, just like how great things that happen in your life, right? PHP course yeah. being rejected by Facebook, all these other things. So you at one point said, all right, I'm going all in with all the cooks. Yeah. And um and how was that process and basically Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Just just one 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 thing to add to what you said is like when when I was brute forcing and I just came out of the boats like it from from uh, abroad and I arrived in the US and it's like really poor um I don't I use this like what's the worst that can happen framework but after like we sold the company for millions of dollars and we we, we have options now it changes completely. Like, I feel like it changes because now or the new framework is like, am I going to regret taking this, this route or, or not? Right? It becomes the regret framework. Once you have uh, option, a ton of options and, and uh, more money, and, but then once you don't have the money, you don't have the options, then it becomes the, what's the worst that can happen? It's, it's so different, I think. Uh, emphasizing that's very different. Like if you're just starting from if you're already like have a ton of money in, in the bank, right? I think that's the, the two frameworks, like, uh, the, they're very different. Absolutely. And I think that there's also the value of like earning 
your right and your place in the arena. I also was not born with money and um, I understand what's like to, you know, having to do the math because you can't buy the Naval, uh, the Nadal, sorry, the Nadal uh, racket, right? You got to like find the discount and, um, and you have to make all these like tiny sacrifices that frankly don't feel nice. But when you make money and you realize that um, it doesn't bring you any happiness, it's just kind of like it gives you these like temporary releases of, and it makes you easy, you know, makes life easier. They are certainly, um, you know, capital is an important resource for leverage, but it doesn't bring you inner peace and it doesn't provide you a way for you to, I guess, um, let that energy, this desire to build flow correctly. So I, um, you know, you went through this entire phase. Was it public the, for the, for, or I don't know if you can share, but basically how was the process of selling the company for how much did you guys sell it? And then, uh, you know, that certainly in many situations puts you at the top of the Maslow pyramid, right? It technically, if you wanted to retire, you could, or you could just, you know, go to Brazil and chill out or, you know, do, do something yeah. else. It, could, it changes the whole thing, right? Yeah. So, so, and then like we built this company or, or, um, or save it, like we just burn all, all the money that we had in the, the bank account. And then, um, and then I was like, oh man, like now we need to fundraise, but it was like, we need to fundraise to be able to continue building the company. It was not like um, we need to fundraise to do the company, right? It was like, man, like we don't have options now. Like if I don't fundraise right now, we're gonna go, uh, I have to find a tech job and then the product, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to continue building this product. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, I find myself with this product, we have like tens of millions of downloads, uh, millions of users using it every, every month. And then, you know, it's very, I didn't even understand it was uh, very good for fundraising to be in that position. We didn't take any checks so far. You know? So then like we found like we, we got term sheets. I we love got, it. Like, it's, it's so hard. That is one of the hardest <laughs> things to do. And it's so well appreciated. I mean, that technically, if you have 30,000 users growing at 30% month <laughs> over month for four months and you came out of Y Combinator, that you get like a bunch of offers. Uh, so it's funny that, uh, yeah. that, that you were in that position. And then we got like term sheets. We got like we got accepted to YC. Um, and then at the same time, uh, there was this uh, this um, this person who, who was very successful founder, uh, the number one recipe uh, site. Uh, I wanted him to. I saw like him talking in um, five hundred startups, I think. And then I I, I cold email him and like uh, you know like uh, it would be great to to. We're fundraising. I'd love to have you as an angel investor. And then, uh, and then he ends up like, uh, and then like he wanted to invest. Uh, he was going to invest. I, I put his name on the list. Like we had the list of all the angels. Uh, and then like he committed to invest. And then like he decided to, to offer to buy the company instead. And then we, um, I feel like, you know, we, we could raise money from VC. We, we had uh, a fair valuation. It was a very good valuation. We we could gone to YC at the time. Um, and I feel like selling the company was, um, and then like, I'm still doing a company. So like, it feels like maybe I should have continued and done in the first, the full seven years. But for me, it was like, I was brute forcing everything. I didn't know anything about Silicon Valley. I didn't know about like anything. I didn't have like, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't realize that I had everything that I needed, but at the time I didn't know, right? So um, 
it took me some way, some time to mature. Uh, so we, we decided to sell the company and I think it was, was good. So we sell the company, we have all, all this money in the bank. And then I was still like, oh man, like, it's kind of boring. Like we moved to, to Tahoe, we, we, you know, like uh, have this like wonderful uh, life in theory, but it was so boring. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so we decide to, to uh, we stayed with the, with the company for two years. We helped them um, uh, build the um, uh, international platform. Um, and then we, when we left the company, we, we moved to Tahoe like full time. And then after three months, I was so bored. I was like, okay, we need to go back to SF, start a company again. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it was just like uh, natural. So I just, so I think, um, the most important lesson for me was that, um, I learned, I learned in a very early, uh, I was, I think 29 or, or 30 that, um, money didn't do anything for me. Like, uh, it, it wasn't like I was, I wasn't doing it for money. Uh, we decided to, to go back, back to SF, just burn everything again. So we, we bootstrapped any car till like <laughs> my, my current salary is 40 K a year. So, <laughs> so we, we, we still like uh, kind of bootstrapping. So, you That's know, right. like we, but it's we interesting are, though, that you have to make a little bit of money to then realize that money will never it's the whole i think i think i think naval puts it in a good way it's like money will solve all of your money problems but it's far from solving all of your problems yeah um, and i and and i have met a lot of people that have lived uh, very miserable lives uh or almost insignificant existences as well because of the fact that they were born rich um you know to a degree they're not that useful for the world because they didn't have to go through that suffering of asking themselves the hard questions right um, you know, you happen to be an early stage technology founder and a product person, but you had to go through all these struggles to fully realize that, yes, I want to be building consumer apps that will impact millions of people. And maybe the answer for that, you know, might not have been software. It could have been, hey, I want to build, make the best cupcakes in the world, or I want to become a neurosurgeon. But um, I find that it's just really difficult to find the right answers in life without suffering. It's also something I always look for in, 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 in founders that I want to partner with. Yeah, the, that's a great um, point that you made. I think the, um, realizing that money doesn't do anything, basically, but it's amazing to, to because I had money now, like I could do whatever I wanted. Uh, and then I just went back to the, like, to the drawing board. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it again. Like I'm going to start small. And then like we started with uh, me and my co-founder then like, and, and Sylvia, and then we started and we're just like, just us for like a whole year, uh, you know, the same thing again. And then like we, we, we hired very, very slowly uh, and we started again. I think the one thing um, that happened that was uh, much easier um, is that um, we had people that believed in us early. So we, we started with a fundraise. Uh, we had a 500K check uh, from the beginning. So like even, even, and that's like, it's much different, right? Like being able to, to have that. Um, I think that that really um, takes a lot of pressure. So just allowed us to like go full deep into things that matter and not, you know, like, I think in the end, like if you're struggling for, for, for paying the rent. So with the recipe app, for example, right, we've done like deals with Nestle. We put like ads from 
da 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 we put so many ads we try to we try to monetize we try to do all these things there were like big distractions uh for the company where like because we were not struggling when we done the other thing we were just like okay we're only going to build features that compound in value so we're going to if we need to build the thing we're going to work backwards from what users actually want even the users want this thing here we're going to build this a v1 that's going to be here but it's in the direction to to this uh big thing and then and that's where we i realized that like um that um if you continue building value but in the right direction like over time it's going to compound the product is going to get better and better and better i think the second company i was way more patient and i think the biggest reason to be patient is that i knew it was going to work over time at scale compared to to in the first in the first company i was like oh i need i need to pay the rent i need to like monetize i need to do all these things um in the middle of the way right because yeah. um yeah that's the most important thing i often tell people that you know basically like to, in order for you to start a business it's uh figure out like how you're gonna be immortal basically ramen noodle profitable forever in your on your personal life and then you take all the risk then you bet the house but you know that there is some some sort of way um in, in many situations in my life i believe I, i've had to pay a big price by not figuring out that problem before going out back in the arena and um and it's interesting how because it shifts your mentality completely so maybe you start a small little thing for for passive income maybe you know you sell something that gives you the runway for you to take risk but um having that you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you start yeah. putting it in, in in others in others could be customers and users and other employees and so forth for for me it was um you know the first time was Sylvia had a job and then she was paying the rent she was doing everything and she allowed me to go and uh, do all these crazy things um and and i think um that's the the one that uh you know i never ever like felt and i think like for for my parents like i always knew like if anything bad happened like i just go back to brazil like live with my parents uh you know like i will always be welcomed uh that's like the worst that can happen is like oh i have to like go back to brazil and i don't have any money or whatever and that's fine i'm ex- i would always accept that like that's okay i think yeah that's the but and i think yeah the way we built this the new companies is uh it was very different it was like much more mature like we learned um because we we worked for two years trying uh with a budget so we had five million to to really grow uh all the cooks to to, to become something uh much bigger over over the period of time then we, we that's had to after the acquisition you say yeah yeah so after the acquisition we got all this money and then we realized that money didn't do anything like it was not like helping on anything so so like i mean I had a salary it was much better like it was much more comfortable but like the, the money like it wouldn't really help like scaling the product getting more users getting retention done and doing all these things so uh, that's where I realized like for to do the company the type of company that I was building the um, money was not an excuse like having the the you know uh, investment or, or whatever like it, it really mattered like to build a better product than the competition and keep like doing that and 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 making sure the it's 
the customers are happy and customer cu customer first and all these things. So, yeah, that's great. And then and you you there was a point where right, where you you said okay I'm starting something new. It wasn't any cart. It was too I called a craft log, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, how is that process of uh, you know? getting back into the arena and beginning the new chapter that you're living right now as, as the CEO of the company. Yeah. So we left the, the, the recipe uh, company and we went to Tahoe full time. So we had a kid and I was like three months without doing anything. In these three months, I, I picked uh, woodworking. So I was doing yes. like woodworking. How, how, how did that change your life as a as a founder and CEO, so so driven, ha having a kid? Uh, how does that change you? That was um, it's amazing. I think that having a kid is the best thing. Um, the family first. I still think like that. My my passion is like positively impacting millions of people every day, and I think like aligning the the family how it fits in this thing and making sure that everybody's happy is part of the, the journey. I feel like for, for founders, like having a kid is one more problem you have, to, like is one more thing you have to do. Like some, some people say like, Oh, how do you do like raising, like have a, having kids and starting a company is like, dude, like <laughs> put it on a sauna. That's it. Yeah, that's literally like <laughs> literally what we do is like solve problems every day right and like a, a kid is one more thing we need to do and like otherwise like would, if it wasn't like for example if you can't handle the kid then it's the same as like not being able to have a visa like to, to start a company in the us you need a visa for you need to solve that like so many problems that you need to to face that are really hard to solve uh, and many, so many unknowns that like a, a kid is one more thing. And then I, I felt, at least I felt like that, uh, at the time. So yeah, we, we started. No, I invested then, in this company called Maple, uh, from this uh, great founder called Michael Perry. And basically it's like, it's a software to do project management for your family. Um, it's, it's yeah. in closed beta. So happy to uh, uh, get you an invite. I think you would appreciate it because it's uh, it kind of like uh, imagine if you could put a bunch of Zapier automations <laughs> to solve these problems uh, for your kid uh, yeah. in an integrated, holistic, nice way. Um, and um, anyway, just as a, it's just so interesting how you said it. It's just another problem, you know, like it's like. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that was one more thing I needed to, to, to align. And once we, we clicked and, you know, I, I feel like the early days of the startups are not that, that busy, man. Like, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're, uh, early, you're working late, you're working like these weird hours, the early days like the first year was like, yeah, we worked hard, but it was like, it's, it's somewhat, it's le less hard than like building, um, many tech companies are very challenging, like mentally, like being meetings every day, talking to very smart people every day and being challenging. You know, when you start a new company, it's like nobody's challenging you. Nobody cares about your product. Nobody cares at all, actually. So like you're just like hanging out and like with, with your co-founder and like doing things. And, and I feel like people like overly uh, emphasize how hard it is, but like it's not hard at all at the beginning, at least. I, f I feel like it's... Uh, it's way less intense. The, the first year is like kind of a, you're just hanging out, like doing some stuff that you already like to do. Like you, you know, like you, uh, yeah. 
So with me, it was like I was doing the back end and a little bit of the front end, and my co-founder was doing the front end, and we are just like splitting the work and, and getting some stuff done. It was that, that's it. That's the first year, right? And, <laughs> and then and, and it's not that stressful. I feel, I feel like if you have employees and you have like fundraising, you have a board, that, that's way more stressful than the, the first years. So, you know, I, I, I was lucky that um, my, my first kid was born in the first year or, of the company. So I could learn like in progress um, in a more smooth way. I would imagine like if I, uh, I would have a kid, a newborn, my first kid now, like in the middle of the, of like a, a larger stage company would be more, it would be harder maybe. Perfect. Yeah. Now that's, yeah. uh, I, I think them, that those sound relieving for a lot of people. Uh, and, uh, but you know, I, I, how did you get to the idea of, um, of, of, of any car and what's the, basically the ultimate vision that, that, that you have for the, for the business? Yeah. So we, we started Craftlog to, to record. Uh, so I was doing all this, uh, woodworking in, um, in, in Tahoe. And, uh, I was like, man, I wish I could post like this, all this amazing work that I'm doing. I wish I could post and save it somewhere like in a, in a, that I could just have a library of, of things. And I think Instagram at the time was the, was the best tool to record, but it was ephemeral. So like you, you record on Instagram is low quality. So the, the resolution of the recording was really like capped. And I was like, I want full resolution of my work saved and safely stored forever. And I want to be able to re-render this, uh, this work and, and the resolution, um, over time and getting better and better being like uh, evergreen content. Uh, so there's types of content that are ephemeral, like in Instagram, but if you're creating a woodworking project that you like work so hard and you, like you're recording these step-by-step videos of how to build a table, uh, you want to save in the highest quality as possible and, and you want to make it searchable so more people can find your, your work when they're looking for inspiration. So that's what we created. Um, it was, a, I think later it came in like Pinterest, but it, it was like kind of a content creation first, like UGC Pinterest kind of, right? So imagine a verticalized um, social network for uh, woodworkers that could uh, record step-by-step -step videos. Um, so we started with woodworking, then later we, uh, we, were, we added uh, sewing, and then later we added uh, home improvement because that, those are the type of things that I was doing in Tahoe. So Sylvia was doing sewing, I was doing home improvement, <laughs> woodworking. And then I think like two years later, we, we decided to do recipes as well. So we were like, oh, you know what? Like recipes is still the biggest freaking thing in the, like in the planet. Like if you see like a lot of Pinterest traffic is recipes, a lot of Google Curies oh, you know, are BuzzFeed, Tasty, and like all. I mean, now TikTok. It's a. Ma I mean, as you know, you basically. I think you have a very weird business mentorship advice: hot women and recipes. Those are the three main buckets of TikTok, and then uh, uh, and a bunch of niche, like little, little, little things. Just, I think that it's because it's emotionally so satisfying to just see someone cook, and then we are all as you know, the monkeys that we are, we see food, we want food, we want more and more and more of it. Uh, so I, that's why yeah. I think that people just enjoy, uh, you know, 
others cooking uh, uh, stuff. So, 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 pardon the side note, but basically that's uh, yeah. So 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 then we we decided to allow people to record these step by step videos. That's the ones that you see on any cart. Uh, those are all created using a phone on a crane. Uh, and uh, the whole setup costs like 70 bucks to buy a, a tripod that, that clicks on your phone. And then we developed the software on the phone to make it very easy to record step-by-step -step videos of how-tos. So the pitch of Craftlog was we're, we were going to create the, the, the largest library of step-by-step -step videos before anybody else because we thought that the video content should be the future of the internet and not just this stupid photo at the top with a ton of text. So imagine recipes, right? Watching a, you, most of the content, even today on Google is like, you search Google for a recipe, there's a big photo with an ad and then like a ton of text. We thought that, that a step-by-step, step-by-steps should be broken down in v little videos. And that was like, a, or, or, even... or None of the big uh, uh, chefs or cook influencers, even on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram Reels, there isn't an index library that's searchable, right, for them to then sell stuff. I think that that represents a massive software opportunity because they produce nice content. I consume a bunch of them because I enjoy cooking and I like eating nice things. I also know that if I always pay for someone else to do it, it's going to be very expensive. Um but I would love uh, to just learn, oh, yeah, how is it that that guy, you know, does his uh, rosemary salt, for instance. Right. Um, and I can't search for these. These platforms are all closed. And uh, I mean, the vision, I'll let you tell because, you know, but I think that the fact that I can go on any cart, search for what I want. And then eventually there could be uh, channels, right, for all these, these uh, influencers that produce great videos. And I can buy and make the salt for the guy that I follow. Or the brand that I like, it's such a powerful full stack solution for a daily habit of you know eating and cooking, yeah. which we've been doing since. Adam. Yeah. So yeah, and and that, that's that's when um, we so we're doing Craftlog. Then um, a friend of mine um, and, and and later became co-founder of the company. Uh, he joined us as a late co-founder uh, of the company. He was consulting for um, for a German uh, retailer. And they, they needed like uh, to show that they could price their catalog into into they could price recipes from the their catalog of the this retailer. It's the massive retailer like with uh, I think they had like three hundred thousand products on each uh, store and like their stores were like in every language because it's Europe uh, and it was like such a challenging project and we we didn't sleep for. Um, I, I, I didn't believe in this vision of uh, pricing uh, recipes. I thought it was like, oh, this is it's going to be gimmicky. Like, it's not going to be end-to-end. -end. Like, they're going to want to price. And I was like, okay, they're going to pay. I was like, how much? <laughs> I was like, and then I was like, because I thought, it, I thought the pricing of recipes would work when uh, grocery delivery was good. And it was terrible. Like, in 2000, when, when we started, it was, like, so bad. Like... I think it was three years ago or two years. I don't even remember. It was two years ago. So two years ago when we started, grocery delivery was so bad. That I was like, there is no, it's, this is a waste of my time. Why would I do anything related to pricing recipes of groceries? This is like, I, I'm not, I don't believe in ever in the project. project. 
It has gotten so much better. The the first VC firm I worked for, uh, FCVC, we were seed investors in Instacart. I think we wrote their first check at like a $12 million, $14 million valuation. Uh, and they used to actually hire task rabbits that, and, and, and the taskers would gra- uh, get on Ubers. And the orders were probably with a bunch of mistakes and so forth. And I think that also the early days of Rappi, that became, you know, another company uh, that, that, that that I was fortunate to have partnered with. That basically, early early days, and uh, it's very broken, but it's still better than going to the fucking supermarket. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, like so. The discovery my- part is worse. That's where I think you guys do a really great job at any cart. Yeah. My everyday job is like, how can we be better than the supermarket? And that's really hard. Like uh, many, many, many people, like it's so inspiring to go to the supermarket. So how can we make it more inspiring, more automated for the boring things? Uh, you know, that, that's kind of my daily life right now. Like how, I, I still believe it's really hard to beat the supermarket for many, many people. And, and it's funny because we started working on groceries when it was like less than 3% adoption. Uh, and that was the biggest freaking issue was like, how can we make people shop online? Because nobody's shopping online. It's never going to work. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, so then um, I think that's in the company's DNA to find a better way than, than shopping the store. And think about it as in a product level. Like when you go to the store, you're walking to the, to the fruits section and then you, you're going to grab your oranges because you're, you're fixated in the oranges, but you look like if you're peripheral vision, you're like, okay, I can see like the pears are here, the, the, all the other fruits are all there. So you're already like making all these calculations and you already know where everything is and it's so inspiring. Um, where online is so bad, like people are throwing you ads everywhere, like it's not easy to navigate on the iOS. You have to click to go back to the aisle. So we are trying to do uh, yeah, anyway. So I, I don't think like going to the store is that bad for a ton of customers to most of the customers actually. So, but the funny thing is like when, when this friend, he proposed to me, um, to do the, this thing for, for this, uh, European retailer, I was, I was like, no way. This is a waste of time. Like pricing recipes, this thing is never going to work. Um, and, um, and then he's like, oh, they're going to pay. I was like, how much? So they paid for a burn like for of six months on a two-month project. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Because that's a technology that I want to experiment with. I was very curious. I was like, oh, is it worth, um, is it worth for us to learn how to do these things? Um, pricing, uh, using the retailer catalog. Uh, what can we do uh, to make it better? So... And, and we did it and, and it was very, um, it was very interesting. Like, um, I, I don't think, so we acquired this kind of a knowledge of how to price, uh, recipes from the internet, but I, I was still not like, this is, this is interesting, but it's not like we have this technology we built over, we, I, I uh, half of the team is in Brazil. I, I flew to Brazil. I was there with them the whole Christmas and then we crank it out in like in a, in a month. We we built the like the the first version of any cart. Um, Where in Brazil is the rest of the team? We have a lot of people in São Paulo, in Paraná. Uh, now we have like everywhere, All but over. like in, in the beginning it, it was uh, and everybody's remote. So um, so then we uh, we crank it out and it it kind of um, 
it worked. Like we, we created this, uh, it was a big success. Uh, we presented in the like kind of innovation labs, but then like, yeah, that was it. Like it was everybody applauded. It was, Oh great. Like you guys did a great job, but then like the project kind of, uh, died so that's where i realized like that's how retailers do it like they innovate like they create these innovations uh that don't go anywhere uh, uh, a lot of it's terrible i mean i i i remember you know i'm a very hands-on investor and uh, this came through how i ended up managing to start a vc firm without not being born rich or not making fuck you money with an exit which you know at four four years ago hard uh, and, and, and uh, <laughs> I think still is, but, you know, harder at that time. And I, I recall, you know, in one of the, you know, Rappi is such an important company in my, in my life and, my, and, 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 you know, it's the second investment I've, 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 I've made as an investor and then, uh, you know, continue to invest after I left my, my, my job at, um, at, at, at FCVC. And one of the investments was attached towards like launching them in Brazil. So I flew to Brazil and launched them um, in, in Sao Paulo. And uh, we hired the first six people. And we were uh, constantly going to negotiate with um, Grupo Pão de Açúcar, which is one of the yeah. largest retailers you know, down there, similar to the Albertsons of the world in, in, um, in the U.S. And uh, it was horrible. I mean, just the process of dealing with them their offices were all broken the chairs were broken and it and i and i learned later on that it was on purpose because they wanted a strong arm uh you in order to get lower prices because they're always negotiating with people that are selling things to them at bulk they just have this very win-lose mentality and when it comes to innovation because of the fact that they just look at their top line revenue as the only metric that matters they think that they know better and we and that we are just little nerds that will kind of show them you know their fluffy little things and whatever and that six months of burn that they paid you right it was just like pocket change for them so uh with all the respect like it was meaningful to you and i know that the work you did was great but the reality is is that ultimately like there isn't enough emotional alignment of interest for someone to truly give a shit that's why i think jeff bezos is so great he built a company where he managed to hire ninety thousand people that gave that give a shit uh, you know, like it's an interesting way of, uh, of, uh, of looking at things, but I recall just negotiating with them and all these things and they've been trying to do it. Oh yeah. We've been doing delivery for a fucking decade. And it's like, oh yeah. And it's horrible and no one uses it. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's just interesting that, um, that's, uh, there's just so much room for innovation and creativity. And I don't think that this is going to change because it's just a, it's just the nature of how humans are organized. You have way more parasites in any ecosystem than people that are producing good things, you know? Yeah. And it's hilarious that you mentioned Jeff, Jeff Bezos and the way that he organized the companies for, for success. And uh, one of the biggest things that I, I, I love about Amazon is their uh, principles. Uh, when I read, uh, uh, so we, Anycart went through the Amazon accelerator in, uh, in Seattle, the Alex accelerator. That's how we started Anycart. We started thinking through Techstars program. And uh, one of the things about Amazon that I love is the principles. And uh, when I read that, I was I was doing the program. I read the principles. I, I was like, wow, this is just common sense. Like when I read the principles, I was just like, somebody just put this like things that if you're not doing this, 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 I don't know how many things there are, like 12. Uh, if you're not doing any one of those, like you're, you're like going really bad, like you're doing something bad, basically. 
So that's against common sense. So then like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's, it was so good when I read that one of the, one of the, one of the things in the, in the principles is, uh, invent and simplify, right? Invent and simplify is like, you know, like if there are better things out there, like go, go and use them and, and start from that as the basis. And then, and then like keep simplifying, getting better and better than where you started. But like, don't freaking like, if you're doing anything with a product, like, uh, don't, don't, don't start from here, like start from here and then like get better. Right. Let, let's say if I do, if I need to do chat, a chat product, I will start, I will copy Slack, like from, that's the basis. And then that's where you, you started like getting better and better and better, like on top of something that's really already high. Right. And that's so obvious, like to me, uh, that we, we, we copied the Amazon, uh, invent and simple, like we basically use the Amazon principles as the any card principles, because that, that's so good. <laughs> Why would you invent anything like worse than that? Right. Like we started yeah. from there and now we're putting our own, own, uh, things on top that we strongly believe. Uh, so it's, it's pretty, it's cool. awesome. Well, there's that great book, great artist, uh, steel. Right. And I think that that's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's true. I mean, there are certain things that we're always stealing from each other and getting inspirations, you know, and, uh, you want to be creative and original, but you know, if there are things that in the past that they continue to work, continue to do them. Uh, I think that, 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 that's one aspect of what you're talking about. The second one is just kind of like, um, it reminds me of one of my, fa I don't, I don't know the rules of American football to this date, but I've read many books on American football because I love the competitiveness of professional sports and how you can apply that to startup building. Yeah. So there's that book called the score takes care of itself from Bill Walsh, the, you know, that famous 49 Zinners uh, coach. I think he was like, he coached like Joe Montana and so forth. Um, that, uh, that even has, a, you know, a venture fund today, liquid to the co-invested with them many times and it's good people, but they, uh, he, he said that it starts by guiding how the receptionist is supposed to pick up the phone because you want to do big things in life. You need to do the small things in life correctly first. It's impossible to, you know, get both of them done. Um, that's one thing. And the other thing that I think applies to what you're talking about is the compounding um, aspects of uh, performance, right? Uh, 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 I, that whole thing about being 1% better every day that you, you get a, equals to like 37 times better a year. It's almost mathematically impossible to every day improve one percent uh, in anything that you want to do in life. But it, but it, but it, but it is true that small incremental improvements compound in a beautiful way, right? And I think for product development, that's you know the yeah. the de facto way to operate. Yeah, the way it's funny because um, you know if you read like a bunch of product um, articles on the internet, they always tell you. Um, they always tell you to like, oh, don't start with a car, start with a skateboard, then 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 start with a little like motorcycle, and then they like, grow to a car. Like build products that are lovable, minimal lovable product, and that's definitely not how I build products. That's completely the opposite of what I do. Like I strongly believe in, uh, and and I don't know if this is true, but there's this book. Uh, I only read the the cover of the book, but I love it, uh, and I used it <laughs> as an example. <laughs> At least we can appreciate your honesty. It's like, I haven't read the book, but I think it's cool. So what I think the book writes about is uh, there's this book called The Total Competition uh, about the Formula One, how to get into the Formula One, you, you need a, a car, first of all. 
like just get a car done right like just do the minimum like uh, get the cheapest tires is fine like you need you need a full complete car to even start competing once you start competing then you say you start observing the other cars oh maybe we should pump the tires and then like dude like just pumping the tires itself might might double your speed compared to the the other people like you know you know what i'm saying like just by having a car in the competition makes you observe all these little they look like little details but when you apply them to your car then like you you double your performance so i just i'm my intuition says that that's what the book is talking about <laughs> but i strongly believe in that i applied this every day like i strongly believe like um we need every time we launch a new feature a new product like we need something that uh has the minimum things uh and then we start tweaking like everything uh like crazy so uh, yeah and, and yeah and and i think the the story there where i was was uh so we we've done this thing we 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 realized retailers are super slow um and and then we were like we were blocked so like for for this company like the dna is like we can't get blocked by 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 retailers like we need to to do a product we need to do something that that we don't depend on retailers uh and i think that's how we we got started um then we got the opportunity to join the alexa accelerator you know when you go to to the amazon headquarters we stay there for three months it's so inspiring we were talking like with super smart people there the one thing i, I have know, a question though as someone in silicon valley that had actually been accepted at y combinator uh, and saw important talks happening at 500 startups. Uh, why did you do tech stars? Not, I mean, look, like I am a child of tech stars, right? Like I was the first business employee um, at, a, at their first IPO, uh, SendGrid. So I love tech stars. I've lived in Boulder, uh, but uh, I wasn't in a position of a founder like making that decision. So I'd be curious to learn, um, hey, I don't know if you applied to YC or you applied to 500 and what, what led you to go through the Amazon accelerator powered by Techstars. And I know how massively important that program was to Anycart and you. Yeah. I mean, the, um, I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't know uh, Techstars at the time. Like, uh, I feel like as a, as a founder, the, you know, going to YC was a dream, was like, uh, this is the biggest dream in my life was going, going to YC uh, when we got accepted, it was like really, really hard to decision to, to sell the company and not do the program. Like that was like really hard, like using the regret framework, I would have done YC. Like, no, now that I, I have money in the bank, like, uh, if I, if I had money in the bank, I would have gone and uh, done YC and, and I'll be, I'll be super regretful of not of having the opportunity to do IC and not doing it just because of money. Like right now, if I had the option, right, obviously, like that's the, the, the obvious answer is like, you have to go, I mean, it's, it would be better to do it. Um, uh, so I didn't know that's about even, even today, like if, let's say when you start another company, like you would contemplate it because I find it interesting that that, that specific aspect for founders and I've invested in many YC companies. I love working with them, but, um, I'm yet to understand the rationale behind so much dilution. If you understand already how to brute force success, you know. 
I don't care. I just think it's. <laughs> I don't care. It's, it's a horrible. It's answer. fine. You can say that. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you're a technical, if you're a technical founder, and like, I'm an engineer, right? I code in. Uh, I, I'm full stack engineer. I, I, you know, like I, you know. I, I've been following YC articles forever. I follow. I, I open news, uh, hacker news every day. Like it's just like. The, the same thing of the Amazon principles when I, I, I see what they're talking about is just common sense and then you resonate so much of the with what, what they're talking about that is like it's kind of a doesn't matter like if, if it's a dilution or not it's just an experience I want to have and it feels like they um, it sounds like a good experience so I'll do it uh, if I had the opportunity to um, and and when we when we went to when we applied to TechStars uh, uh, with Alexa was was you know we had this retailer Amazon uh, is obviously like a insane um, company like you know that was the I feel like figuring out an angle that like we could, it could really help uh, companies like Amazon to to do something big uh, in the meal space uh, that was really exciting. And, you know, it was just obvious, like, um, we, I was so um, pleased with Techstars. I feel like they, the, the managing director, Aviel, uh, that ran the, the Techstars program for Alexa, that's the, like, I talked to him, like, every week, we had a call with him uh, yesterday, uh, like, we, we are always in touch, like, that guy is insane, like, he's, a, he's a, an insane investor, uh, he's an insane, uh, you know, friend, advisor, like he's like an uh, insane mentor. The way they structured the program was amazing. Like I had, the, I had a blast. So we, my parents came from, from Brazil. We, we put the kids in two cars and then we drove to Seattle for, and we stayed there for three months of the program. My parents were parents for, for full time because Sylvia and I are working on any cart, like on a startup. Uh, do, during Techstars, right? So uh, we didn't have time for, for the kids, but my parents were here for the entire three months. Like, and it's hilarious because they, um, we told them, look, we bring the kids like at least two days to parks. We send that, we go with them like to m museums every day. We go to, like, we created this, this fake, I, I mean, it's almost fake uh, routine. Uh, and they applied, like they were amazing parents. <laughs> better than us for for these three months and they they were so exhausted of, of, after these three months that uh taking care of full time of two kids two little kids one was uh one of our kids were one year and a, and a half the other one was uh three so they were they had their hands full and, and yeah but which allowed us to like we fully dedicate ourselves to the program to tech stars we really embraced everything was uh, was an amazing experience the one thing that I have to say about Amazon is that, um, you know, you meet a lot of people from, from tech companies in the Bay Area. I, what I love about the culture of Amazon, Amazonians is that um, every single Amazonian that we met, they, are, they, they try to be, bring a very genuine uh, human thing to the, when, whenever they're talking to you, they're like, you know, Rafa, I get what you're saying. I'm going to take my Amazon hat off and I'm going to give my, my, my take. So they, they give you their, like most of, of the Amazonians are like, th that I talked to, if it was like, you know, this is my personal opinion. Like, I think, you know, you should go and do that. But like, you know, 
th that's what I think. It's like you know what I'm saying they were like always like uh, the the employees that we met they were amazing that way where like they they were not like uh, representing the Amazon at all every conversation right they were actually like separating themselves from the corporate they had this clear understanding of where like where amazon stands and where they stand uh and they were able to do the separation where it's very hard in the bay area like you know um with some companies here so i don't know if you know Absolutely. what I'm no, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I think uh, there is a certain type of, uh, you know, what like the, the the Google type or the, the or the Facebook type or the Twitter type. And um, I have this whole theory about the fact that like the, the middle manager of large tech companies was actually what destroyed the culture of San Francisco. But that's I guess for like another <laughs> a whole nother conversation. Because it always started the Google bus and people throwing rocks at, at them and how Google responded. But um, I, I I think that. Um, Bezos is such a brilliant manager um, in towards ingraining that culture, which ultimately comes out of a place of a it's a combination of courage and humility. Because you know, I understand that they always uh, uh, they encourage the junior people to speak out first in meetings, so you can actually be always genuine and always speak your mind and know that you are at a at a safe environment with, with, with not a lot of judgment. Um, there's a lot that we can all learn from how uh, Amazon um, uh, manages, right? But um, I, I wanted to, you know, touch on like a few, as as you know, we're almost at two hours and I, I love spending time with you because I feel like we could be chatting for hours and hours and hours and it's always a such a pleasant conversation. And, um, but this was the first time where, you know, you've raised uh, friends and family, half a million dollar round, the company had a different name. Um, and then, uh, then you went institutional. And I'd love to just learn more about basically how did that happen and yeah. uh, why did you raise money from the investors that you did and how is it that the, that relationship evolved over time and uh, was it what what is it like to be a um, a founder that already had an exit that now you know raise money from institutionals? Yeah, so the I think it's. Um, we obviously start went to Techstars because we wanted to fundraise. Techstars is a fundraising uh, program. Like you only, I mean, only go to Techstars tech if you want to fundraise. In my opinion, that that was my mentality when we started. I went there to fundraise. I went there to figure out like product market fit, like figure out things. And and then um, I feel like I should have done that earlier if I had like. If I have an advice, like going through a program like Techstars, YC, uh, it's so valuable, like for, for, for any early founder, like, you know, like all that brute forcing. <laughs> um, at the same time, I have to say that uh, um, there was a lot of learnings that the Techstars was teaching that I was completely ignoring. Like, I was like, ah, oh, that's bullshit. You know, like, I'm never going to do that. Like, we would never ever do, gonna do that <laughs> so it was like a, i think one one person was really pushy of us to to do personas at some point he'll just get stuck in every conversation it's like you know what Rafa, i think i really think you, you should define your personas and then um i would leave the meetings i'll tell the team guys we'll never ever ever gonna have personas on any cart ever <laughs> So, so we, I think I think I was uh, being opinionated and went going through textiles and being way more confident. 
I think really uh, made me uh, being able to really fully take what the program can offer. I think I we think really learned yeah, a lot. That's a very important point, and it's why you know many investors don't um, prefer to back second-time founders. Right. Because I find that's like ultimately, like as a first-time founder, you don't know what you don't know, and you ultimately can be whiplashed out of a, basically a tons of advice. And then sometimes, if you hear and you follow the wrong advice from someone that you respect, it can put your company in a pretty complex situation. Because you know, at every stage, like these these enterprises, the businesses, they're such fragile entities. So. You know, you kind of like, it's almost like every day you're at a, it's a, it's, it's the world cup final and you only have like five shots at goal. <laughs> and then if you actually don't hit them, you lose the championship and it's yeah. kind of like that every day. So, um, I much rather work with strong opinionated founders than, um, that for, you know, for the most part I can say, oh yeah, like, you know, 70% of the time this person will be making good decisions versus, people that um they can know or did they want my input right and it's that's also why for instance the name of the show is inevitable and my whole ethos is partnering with inevitable people it took me years as an investor to understand that i want to invest in people that will be successful irrespective if i exist or not my responsibility as a fiduciary and as an investor is to just help founders get to their destination faster by providing them with multiple choices of capital, people, public relations, and operations and finance help. That's it. Um, you know, and, I, and, and it takes a while for you to understand it because I think we all want to be in this position of like, yeah, I love giving advice and I love helping. I'm like, no, I'll be helpful to you where I can. If I don't know, I'm not going to just follow someone else's uh, framework. So, uh, so that's great. I think that uh, um, you know you, you independent thinking uh, pays off uh, way more in the future. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think that was that was amazing because like being very opinionated during the program and getting so much so much like great. So the amazing thing about this program is that the, the manager, like both from Amazon side and the, the Techstar side, they are like the rock stars, like the best people that I ever worked with. Uh, they're both like super uh, good. Um, the quality was so high, and then the, um, being in Seattle was so inspiring because it's it's different than the Bay Area. It's um, there's a lot of Amazon there, and and people who work at Amazon are, are super clever. So like we'll get like a ton of smart feedback about the product, about the what we're doing, and all that stuff. So it was it was very very productive. So it's funny because we arrived there. Um, I was just like, you know, we're going to create this product that prices Google. And then we're going to go and, and match the pro Google against, uh, against the product catalog of uh, retailers, right? Then we made Google shoppable. So like if you search anything on Google, we, our, our Chrome extension will go and, uh, and price, uh, replace all Google with, uh, with our, like make everything shoppable directly from Google because that's where people get their recipes. Right. So that was the obvious. Um, I was like working backwards. That's our product. We, we are uh, we're pricing any content that you're shopping uh, while you're you're browsing uh, the Internet. We're like proposing you all these things for you. Right. So that's uh, any card in a nutshell. Um, and we built it. So we built like really quickly. And then uh, I was like, mm, 
I'm not going to use this product because if I price a lasagna from Google, lasagna from Google is made, um, is made for ad clicks. So a lasagna from Google, if you had to actually buy all the ingredients to make a lasagna from Google, they put like three capers on top. So now you have to buy the whole caper uh, uh, thing. And capers are really expensive. So it's like 13 bucks more just because you need, it was beautiful in that photo, right? So recipes from Google don't work for shopping. Uh, and, and once I realized that, like, we, we realized that it was a click and, and my co-founder and I, we were every day, we were like, oh man, I wouldn't use our product. I would only, this, this product is not going to work. It's a great product. It's like, a, I think we're going to launch that product at some point. It's, it's, it works wonderfully, but it's, it's not like a, a product that, that you, you can't, it, it's not like a day-to-day product that you're going to come come back every day. We wanted to build like something that people come back every day and it'd be very sticky. Um, so, so then we, we, once we had that realization, we're like, Oh, you know what, you know, who has the, 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 the best platform to create video content step-by-step step in the planet. Like we, we have the best technology to allow anyone to create a, a video step-by-step. Step. So we, uh, Techstars had this um, uh, Michelle who was doing like um, I don't know what what, what was his, her title in, in Techstars, but it was basically like a, a program, an internship program. Uh, she was there helping Techstars organizing the things, and then we got her and like Michelle, can you help us create content using video step by step uh, for shopping? And then I'm gonna create this content from scratch. And then she, during the program, she was cooking the whole day and creating these videos uh, that you see on any cart right now. She works with us full, full time now. Uh, so, so we created a ton of content like that's made for shopping. And I think that's the that's text like that's something that only happens on any cart. And then we, we decided that we wanted to control the entire experience end to end. So when you land on any cart, you only see things that are fully in stock. Uh, that you're not going to get any problem if you order from any cut and we're going to deliver to your home and tell you notifications and, and, and make sure that it's an end-to-end user experience. And I think that's, um, we, we decided to, to fundraise because we thought that um, for the same market that um, there is for groceries, uh, for, um, you know, Uber Eats and all these companies, like a $750 billion uh, category, we thought that the same category of eating at home, it's a $750 billion as well. So we thought, look, we're going to build the product that uh, if you want to eat at home, you're going to use any cart uh, and you're going to order through us. You're going to deliver to your home the groceries in one hour uh, and that's going to work. So that, that's kind of the product that we, we, we really deeply like, believe is going to work. And then I think Texas helped in that process to really narrowing down and streamlining the something that we deeply believe about. That's great. And, That's great. And during the program, like to respond to your question, like we, we started talking to uh, VCs uh, and you know, like we, we, we flew to the, we were in Seattle, we flew to, to, to the Bay area uh, during the program, like in the middle of it, uh, because our managing director, his, he was just like, Rafa, just go to the Bay area one week, uh, fundraise and, and, and I think you guys are ready. And then we, we went to the Bay area, talked to, uh, like 15 people. Um, some of the VCs were like, ah, Rafa, you know what you, you need to build? Like you need to, I need to tell you what I have in my house. You, you tell me what I can cook. 
And I was like, dude, like, I built a company like uh, five years ago. It was called All The Cooks. That, that was exactly what we built. Uh, let me tell you what you want. You don't want that. You, what you really want. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> No, I, you, 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 I, 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 you actually said that. That's perfect. Yeah. You, you, yeah, wonderful. Yes, yeah. I love it. What it tells it's like, very uh, Steve Jobs of you in that sense. Like, hey, customer <laughs> yeah. doesn't know shit. Like, let me explain to you what do you want, please. Yeah. So, <laughs> what you really want as a customer, like, you want to open this up. You decide what's what's for dinner. We deliver to you in less than one hour, and when you finish cooking, there's zero leftover. So if if we can build that for you, like that's exactly what you want. You don't want to deal with leftovers. You don't want to deal with, with, with all the, the other crap. Like any cart delivers the meals to you. There's zero leftovers. You're done. Arrives in one hour on demand, no subscription, right? That's the, that's the product that uh, everybody wants. So yeah, so we, and then like we came to the Bay Area, we, we found two investors um, who, who wanted to invest. In the round, so we 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 closed the round with uh, Greycroft and Menlo Ventures, um, and 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 I think that was a really great outcome. They're they're on our, our board now, so it's a it's a great relationship. Awesome, very good. Um, well, this is such an inspiring conversation. I I always um, I think you have so much energy that every time I speak with you, I just feel so inspired. Uh, to just you know, go out and and get more things done. Um, uh, what what do you think it's going to be the future in terms of what you've learned during the pandemic and post pandemic? Um, many people had to start learning how to cook. Uh, right. I remember in the early days of the pandemic, you'd go to Target and a bunch of people buying pans and pots and, and so forth. So, um, what do you think is going to be the what's the vision uh, for any cart and the future in terms of? Um, uh, what would you like to build if you had a shared uh, whatever you can of the any card yeah. uh, master plan? No, I mean, for us, I don't. I don't think we really changed the the, the product vision. Like you know, my since 2011, what I want to do is to positively impact millions of people every day, um, and that and that's the mission of any card. Uh, I said. We said that as the mission, and everybody like in the company is is, uh, is really excited about this mission. Uh, we are building uh, the best tools in the planet for grocery shopping um, that that help people to to that positively impact millions of people every day, right? So that's super simple. Um, but in the end, like I, I strongly believe we are the only ones today that's really really focusing on the only on the end user experience in the sense that. We really didn't change much because of the pandemic. Uh, we think that grocery shopping before the pandemic was a disaster because like people would use grocery shopping like four times a year. Like, oh yeah, you you have a birthday party and you're late. Like you maybe use Instacart, pay the extra fees and you're fine. Um, but like, I think Anycart is the only company in the planet that uh, is fully focused in figuring out a way to make people shop online for groceries every five days so if we have that story like if we figure that out what does that mean we we, we don't have the answer yet but that, that's where we're fully focused to be the company who can bring you back to shop for groceries online every five days right just meaning like people do this like people already do this without online right we just want to we just 
we just think like if we can bring that online, that behavior, uh, whatever it is, like it might be just like same price as the, as the store. Maybe like you don't want to pay uh, the markups. Maybe you don't want to pay for delivery. We don't know the exact combination, uh, convenience, um, but we, we know that's what we're focused on. And that's like we're, we're moving very fast, like to, to do insane things. Like we figured your shopping, like, you know, that uh, uh, I'm going to tell you the secret of any kind. <laughs> what we're actually it. building, what we're actually building is like every, like, you know, that uh, all these uh, grocery shopping uh, sites, they are just, they, they feel like a portal. Do you remember in Brazil, like they, they had wall or something? Like it's just a portal. Oh, yeah. It still exists. It's a. <laughs> do you remember? It's still there. But I I know I understand that it seems like a Paleozoic yeah. product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that uh, I don't know why, but all these uh, grocery sites they look like portals, where like grocery shopping, like you know they have the search at the top, but like search queries on 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 grocery sites they're just like you're building a shopping list so why do you have to type the same things over and over and over every time like you know like any cards collecting the, the data and and then we can predict what's your shopping list before you even know depending on the day the weather and all this yeah so oh, and, and and not just that but i think that like in the end i find that like you know when you're talking about the the joyful aspect of the experience of the offline experience in a grocery store is the discoverability you right. feel like you're in this mini adventure you know when you go to the cheese like aisle on, on whole foods and you know there are like fifty thousand different cheeses and you're like oh i wonder what's you know goat cheese soft whatever with herbs and what about this and you kind of look at them and you're like oh I didn't know such a small piece of cheese could cost, you know, $17. I wonder if that's good. Maybe Uh, maybe I'll try it. Maybe I won't. And I find it's like all the online apps. And my opinion, um, the native app that has, that is just groceries alone, right? So not counting you guys that has the the most, the best experiences is good eggs. And it's because of the low times of the app and the, and the quality of the pictures. But still, it's, it's that whole aisle reproduction of, uh, you know, you're making me walk every right. aisle digitally. Yeah. And yeah, that's I fucking that's stupid. stupid. I am not on the supermarket, so stop making yeah. me walk and make the entire experience complementary and faster. Meaning, if I'm buying a porterhouse uh, steak inside Good Eggs, do I need salt? Do I need pepper? Do I would would I would I like to make it in such a way and then in two clicks boom boom I buy it all it's all in my cart. So these tiny optimizations I think can like propel GMV for the for the retailers in a crazy way, same. crazy same. way. The, the, this example that is said is is the same as like now any car, we just like launched the app by the way one week ago we got approval from Apple we'll have this insane architecture for like the tech of our, our mobile app is insane. Anyway. So we just launched, so we have a car in the market, like remember, right? And that example that you gave to me is the same uh, as like, our car has flattened tires. As soon as soon we put that, our car is gonna go much faster, right? Because having those type of features on top of exactly. the app, insane. Uh, and our app is very simple. Like first tab, inspiration. We try to solve inspiration of the like aisles or, or, or recipes or things like that. Very like inspiration is the first tab. Second tab is like, imagine uh, Pedro goes on the app. I just, I just want my milk, my, my bacon, my eggs, 
Uh, and I want to get this list very quickly. So the auto shopping list, we predict your shopping list and put it in, in the second tab, right? So unifying like uh, being super fast at, at, at finishing the list with inspiration when you, you feel inspired. And, and you know, that, that's it, like that's very simple app and then uh, allowing you to copy and paste the shopping list directly on, on any card and shop it. That, that's Nobody has this feature, right? And it's such a simple, um, marketable idea right yeah well sometimes the simple marketable ideas when you just change one thing can fundamentally you know build multiple billions of val in value uh bumble yeah. versus tinder it's a great example right it's just that the women you know like do the first move that's it simple so it's the same thing here um but uh but i think if you know if there's like one uh, final thing for, uh, you know, that, that would summarize this entire chat is that, you know, in order to build a successful business, you got to brute force insane things. <laughs> and, then, and then your life is going to turn out okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, Rafa, there just, you know, I usually like to end uh, by just doing a few quick, like just rapid fire questions. Um, you know, it's, it's funny how we learn about, you know, different things about each other in, in that sense. So it's the first thing is like, if you had, a, you know, really plan like your ideal morning routine, how would that look like? Um, drink a lot of coffee, bring the kids to school and then uh, get to work. <laughs> that's <laughs> That's Easy. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, have you started doing something new recently that significantly improved your life? Or you bought something that significantly improved your life? Like it could be a small thing or, or, or a big thing. You know, for, for, to give you an example for me, uh, I got this uh, Bluetooth speaker for my shower. It was 15 bucks. Changed <laughs> my showers forever. Uh, uh, we started using... Uh... Teamflow, have you ever heard about this company? On, uh -huh. uh, on, on um, you know, like this, like significantly, like improved my life it's so much. Like this product is the uh, is the salvation of my life, because as a tech CEO, like if if we had like right now we're in thirty five people, if we had thirty five people in the office space, I'll be walking the entire day. Hey, what's up? What's up? What are you doing? Is that cool? Can I? Can you demo it? Like I'll be this, the entire day doing this, uh, walking around the office, and 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 checking checking in with people and doing one on ones. Um, so Teamflow allows me to do that uh, online. So people are online uh, all the time. Uh, at the same time, I don't I don't need to do like a, I don't have a calendar. Like I don't check my calendar anymore because I know people are gonna be in the office. Otherwise, I'd have to be scheduling Zoom meetings and all these things. So it really improved my life. Like that's the that's huge the one. Yeah. All right. What's your biggest fear? My biggest fear? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Fear is brute forcing all the insanity. Yeah. I love it. My, my biggest fear is is probably um, you know not not learning. I guess. Like uh, stop like if I stop learning and and um, I think that's a pretty big fear. Um, obviously, like a, aside from all the like now I have a family and I you know the only thing that I ask is for health and and continue to be in health. Uh, but you know I think on the work side is is uh, definitely learning. Like if I I think um, I'm definitely learning a ton. Like uh, which is insane. Uh, and yeah. 
That's great. Is there something that you usually believe that's true that others uh, don't agree with you? That's the classic, like, Peter Thiel question. I just find that that's such a good question. <laughs> so many things. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Maybe Founders Fund's leading your Series B because I think that that's the ethos behind that fund. I'm, yeah. I'm serious. <laughs> and the, the most funny thing is... Uh, um... You know, we're doing we're doing deals of uh, pretty big companies, right? Like all these retailers, uh, all this uh, all these companies, like you know, and they tell me, Rafa, we're never ever gonna do that. Uh, you know, like, uh, and then uh, I keep trying, I keep trying until they do it. <laughs> so, but, but usually, like, if it's um, something for the customer, for for uh, that I know I'm right, like this is what customers want, and this is like exactly there's no. Yeah, there's no questions. This is what customers want. And then uh, I'm not going to give up just because uh, they don't want to do it. So, like, I think that I, I encounter that every day, like, in, in at work. So Wonderful. Last question. Is there a company you wish you would have founded and why? Um, that exists or that don't exist yet? Both. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter. No right or wrong answer in that one. That don't exist. I, I really wish I, I, um, I like something that I'm, I'm passionate about. Like if we, if we could just make a video conferencing as, as a, not put a, a massive load on people's computer, like just the, like making sure video conferencing is like, doesn't take like less than 20% of your CPU. I think like that's it. Like very simple technical problem. Like uh, I'll be very uh, passionate to solve. If anybody listening to this is like uh, has that company on invest <laughs> right now, like uh, that's uh, something that I would. Uh, I think is you know rendering uh, uh, in the server side uh, using OpenGL to do multiplexing. Anyway, I'm very passionate about this stuff. Uh, that's fine. I think that the former, uh, not the former, the founder mix um, not Mixmax, sorry, a mix panel was starting something like that before, for the, for the browser, just because how Chrome is is a necessary evil in our lives. <laughs> if it's native, maybe works, uh, but uh, if it's in the browser, it's not gonna. Oh, for browser, got it. Okay, yeah. Got it. So he's doing a new browser, right? Not not a video conferencing thing. I don't know. I know that uh, he's uh, working on uh, on something. Uh, I think he, uh, Suha Suhayo Doshi. I might be okay. butchering his name, but uh, uh, yeah, he's working on something like that called a Ma Mighty App. Make okay. Chrome faster, basically. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, the video conferencing uh, architecture that I have in mind is uh, it's weird. It's not gonna. It's you need somebody crazy to do it. Uh, basically, you should centralize all the traffic uh, in this because now uh, OpenGL like GPU servers are cheap to run on the cloud, so you could do all the cool stuff on the cloud. Anyway, great. Uh, <laughs> and then one that has been started. Then one that has been started. I don't know. Um, interesting. Uh, I don't know. That's a good That's question. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I think yeah. it's better to give the answer. Usually people would think about something that um, 
I mean, I think this is just goes to show again how creative you are because oftentimes that other question, something you believe that is true that other people don't, people don't know, they don't have an answer. And you said, oh, my God, I, where do I start? <laughs> and then again, you know, it, it just show, goes to show how creative you are. I think that that's, uh, that's wonderful. But uh, look, like uh, this has been a, one of the longest uh, ones, and I feel like we could continue to go and go and go. And, um, you know, Rafa, I just can't, I can't say how much I appreciate your time and how much I uh, enjoy spending time with you and admire you as a person. So I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to, to be here with us today at uh, the Inevitable Podcast. And, uh, you know, I wish you the best on your quest with, with, with any card. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for the opportunity and uh, to share my story and, and the work that you're doing is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is the end of our first episode. I think we've had so many interesting gems for founders or anyone that's looking to start a company here in this, in this conversation. Hopefully they were as productive to you as they were to me. Make sure to subscribe to us. Uh, inevitablepodcast.com uh, all the links are also on my website per, uh, pedrosorin.com it's not complicated to find us you can find us on Spotify, iTunes and uh, all the typical places that you would find um, a podcast I uh, hope you enjoyed it uh, if you did we would uh, greatly appreciate if you could share that with your friends thumbs thumb us up, subscribe and, and so forth just basically engage with us in any shape or form so we know that what we're doing is worth uh, your precious time and attention. Thank you.